This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you do? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trunk shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome to a brand new edition of WTM. Watch this movie. I am Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. You crazy if you think I'm going to walk up some dark alley with a loud orange hat on my head and a whistle. And again, joining me in the absence of the new father, Eric Mulder, is our friend from the Midnight Movie Cowboys, Mr. Stuart Balk. Good morning. Can I help you? John Holmes, uh, Mr. Marengo asked me to come. Hey, hey, how's it going, people? Not that you're all going to tell me at once, 7 billion people, but, you know, you get the general message. Not, not that you're the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of for our listeners, Mr. I hate Twitter and I hate Instagram and I hate everything else. That's where you're wrong, Mr. Wolfman, because I've actually been on Twitter the last five days, but only on the one hashtag I've been following like a like a hawk, the uh, Sack Dan Andrews hashtag. For those who don't know who Dan Andrews is, Dan Andrews is, sorry, the uh, horrible, fat dictator, premier of this state, so-called premier, who is corrupt to the core. Um, and has an election coming in November, so the uh, Sack Dan Andrews crowd are very loud and very vocal, and I'm one of them. <laughs> so that yes, for that reason on Twitter, yes. Every other um, reason for Twitter, no. Facebook, I haven't posted in there for months. I think nearly six months. You need to get a hold of me for some insane reason. Discord. That's it. Yeah, I I'm on Twitter. It took me a long time to get on Twitter. But uh, yeah. it's kind of up my alley, I think. I, I've enjoyed my time on Twitter for the most part. But no other social media. I had to be dragged kicking and screaming to join the MMC Discord. And uh, that's that's a, a decent enough crowd there. I, I, I like the guys on that uh, Discord. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not one to talk about uh, social media availability. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, you, you're throwing stones my way, saying I'm a hard man to get off. I mean, you're you're basically an enigma to get, uh, you know, people asking, is the wolf man real? Is he's real? He's not a made up character like Zolly Becker or anybody like that. He's <laughs> he does exist. You just never see him on video. That's all. I mean, Unless we, we managed to coax you over to the MMC one day. Which, which I've been uh, I've been asked a few times, but nothing specific. So. That may or may I, not happen at some point. Yeah, will. Um, there will be a wrestling show of some sort. You know, John being a, a big wrestling fan, especially the old Memphis stuff, which I'm sure you're quite uh, well schooled in. And me being a wrestling fan from, geez, since when was WrestleMania one? Eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah, since then, and then um, following it through the 80s to the early 90s, dropped off until the late 90s when the uh, Raw and uh, Monday Night War of Raw and Nitro was on, which is when I really got back into it a lot. So, yeah, it'd be good to discuss, you know, those times. Definitely. Yeah. 
I'm a little young for the Memphis stuff. Plus, I, I grew up in Minnesota, so I don't know how much access we had to the Memphis territory. Yeah. But I, I would have been pretty young. Um, I was mostly WWF, but we did watch WCW. And then, uh, you know, once the NWO kicked off, you know, I was hook, line, and sinker. Like, I watched you regularly before that, but, like, it became re- religious after that. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I got to watch every week. And we'd flip back and forth between Raw and Nitro. And, yeah, uh, yeah it, was a, it was a great time. Uh, it was funny because my mom hated wrestling. She banned everything wrestling for a while. But my dad's a fan, so we still got to watch the shows. We just couldn't order the pay-per-views or go on the websites or buy merchandise. <laughs> but it's like, How many of the um, pay-per-views would you get? Would you get them every month that they're out? No. I, I mean, no. when I was really young, I think my dad and somebody he worked with would alternate the pay-per-views. But they only, okay. did, they only did like four a year for a long time. So like... And we would tape them, and then uh, you know I'd re- I rewatch them a bunch of times. So, like we have like the 1990 Survivor Series and WrestleMania seven and eight, and uh, the '93 Royal Rumble, and then the the '93 King of the Ring was the, the last one that we bought until Starcade '97 when Hollywood Hogan wrestled Sting because we had to watch that match. Yeah. Um, and then we got one more WCW one after that. We got the one where uh, Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman wrestled DDP and Carl Malone because we were big basketball fans too. So like we got to oh, watch okay. that match. So yeah, but that was that was probably it until I think we got the Survivor Series in two thousand one when they ended the invasion stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we'd get maybe one or two a year up until the wwe network came out and then it's like it's included in the subscription service so you just watch all of them Jeez, that's all right so but, all right uh, yeah so you know i was a big wrestling fan growing up but it was essentially banned <laughs> in the house other than you know my dad wanted to watch it so we gotta watch it but, well going by the t-shirt you're wearing yeah. is that eddie guerrero Eddie, uh, Eddie Kingston. Oh, Eddie I'm thinking, doesn't look like Eddie Guerrero at all. I wore it to the uh, DC Super Pets uh, tonight. It's, uh, it's got Eddie oh. Kingston bleeding from the forehead, got blood all over his white t-shirt, and he's, uh, he's carrying a gas can to the ring where he was going to douse Chris Jericho with gasoline and attempt to light him on fire. <laughs> Bit like uh, Vince McMahon's uh, career at the moment, bit on fire, isn't it? <laughs> He's gone. It's gonna be really, he is gone. Is it's he? It's going to be really interesting going forward because he officially retired. And, oh wow! So yeah. he's gone. So who's running the show? Is it Stephanie and um, Shane? So Stephanie is the CEO, and then uh, Triple H is in charge of creative. So yeah. that should be really interesting because he yeah. was kind of forced out a year or two ago. But oh, really? when he was running NXT, it was some of the best wrestling they've had. So yeah, hmm. it's gonna be really, uh, really interesting. Can we just keep talk re- talking wrestling instead <laughs> of Repo Man? We should just do a show on the the wrestler, the Repo Man, Minnesota's own Barry Darso. Oh yeah, formerly 
Smash to the Demolition. Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. Formerly uh, Crusher oh. Khrushchev. I remember Smash, definitely. You don't remember like him demolition. as the Repo Man? <laughs> <laughs> he used to, he used to oh. go, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine too. <laughs> then he'd laugh about it. <laughs> yeah. He'd wear the, uh, what do you call it, like the Lone Ranger mask? <laughs> And he had like a singlet with like tire marks on it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was that early nineties, you know, and they were going like super hard into the kids stuff. And yeah. Uh, like everybody it's... had to, everybody had to have a job in addition to wrestling. So like you had the repo man, you had Duke the Dumpster Drozy, you had uh oh who else? You had the hog farmers, the the Godwins. Um God, I can't think of them. Been but, watching a lot of those wrestling, you know, bios on YouTube, and it's sad to see how many of them have passed on at young ages as well. I didn't even know Test had died. Oh yeah, number uh, didn't know. You know, so, you know, you got that name right. Mm, no, because <laughs> he couldn't pass the steroid test. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea about that at all. That, well, I don't know. That was the joke. I don't know if that's uh, true or not, but that was the joke that used to go around. Was like, they called Tess because he couldn't pass a piss test. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he died, I guess. A shame. <laughs> Just real quick, Brett, before we get into the Repo Man, I've got to ask you, favorite wrestler of all time ever? Oh, that's a tough question. Like I've liked a lot of different wrestlers throughout the years. Like, like Hulk Hogan when I was really young was probably my favorite, and then Bret yeah. Hart, Scott Hall during the NWO days was like way up there. Um, I really like Triple H, kind of when he first started his main event run, like in ninety nine two thousand, and actually like through his whole career actually. And Brock Lesnar, of course, is is one of my favorites. It's hard to pin yeah. it down to just one, but uh, that's kind of like through the years, like those are the guys that I kind of was uh, drawn to the most. Yeah. No. Mine mine absolutely was, always will be the honky-tonk man. Just <laughs> <laughs> honky-tonk means to kill me. It's so funny. <laughs> He's actually a half-decent wrestler as well. I didn't realize he was actually the uh, longest reigning intercontinental title holder. Yeah. Uh, that, still don't is. Know if it's still, still is. It still is. Wow. That's full on. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. He's uh, he's Jerry Lawler's cousin. Yeah, I didn't know that. But when you look at him, I was watching a, quite a few videos on the Honky Tonk Man. They go, he's Jerry Lawler's cousin. I go, okay, now that I look at him, yeah, I can see the resemblance. Yeah, there's definitely a resemblance there. Mm. One thing that's funny uh, it's I don't know. It's not really related. To the, it's kind of related to Honky Tonk Man, but uh, the uh, the story behind how Disco Inferno became Disco Inferno was that he was a apparently he was a really big Honky Tonk fan, Honky Tonk Man fan, and yeah. so he wanted to be like a just like him. But like when <laughs> when they were like picking his gimmick or whatever, Raven. Uh, mm. told the promoter that he wanted to be like a Saturday Night Fever guy instead. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just stuck. And he became the Disco Inferno for him. 
Oh, man. That's funny. Oh. That was such a good time in wrestling back then. God, it was good. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that was, I was born in 87. So, like, that stuff, like, I got started early, but, like, I don't have a lot of memory of, you know, anything before the early 90s. Yeah. So, yeah. At least not watching it as it happened. No, so I remember seeing Honky Tonk Man when he first came in, and I thought, this is hysterical. He used to <laughs> smash guitar. When he smashed that guitar over Jake the Snake's head on that TV show, it's like, holy shit, he he wailed on him big time. Yeah. I think that was apparently, did that lead to Jake the Snake getting uh, another re-injury or, or more pain that <laughs> brought back his crack addiction? Well, I think that's what he said started his uh, his drug addiction because he mm. he claimed honky tonk didn't gimmick the guitar, <laughs> and so he like he just real. smashed him with a real guitar like a, <laughs> a couple times right in the head. And yeah, he, I think he said he knocked him out for real, or he concussed him, or he I don't he might even claim that he cracked his skull. I don't know, but uh, he claimed that's why he got on drugs was because of the honky tonk man. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but yeah. Well, that and he's a product of rape and he was abused as a child. Yeah, know? that doesn't help, I guess. <laughs> Can't blame Honky Tonk Man for a shitty upbringing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let's see. Well, I don't know. I, I'm i going to AEW Dynamite on uh, August 10th oh. here in Minneapolis. And they just announced the other night that uh, Chris Jericho is going to be challenging John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. So I'm pretty hyped for that. AEW is the one where a lot of ex-WWE wrestlers have gone to, right? Yeah. 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 I'm not familiar with AEW too much. I know the name, but I'm not that familiar with it. That's where this Eddie Kingston t-shirt's from. Ah. Okay. This is actually Very a picture good. from a, a pay-per-view they had. In May, they turn around the T-shirts that quick now, but uh, they had a a, a five-on-five anarchy in the arena match, and it was one of the most insane matches I've seen, maybe since ECW ended, because they were just fighting all over the arena. Everybody was wearing white, and they were all bleeding like buckets and weapons, and yeah, that's full on. And then they did a barbed wire match, Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho on oh. TV. They did it on TV. That's crazy. I remember seeing something real quick about uh, Chris. Is Chris Gage? That guy? The Oh, uh, Nick Gage. Nick Gage, I'm sorry. Yeah, Nick Gage. <sighs> that guy's <is> psychotic. <laughs> stay, <laughs> stay a thousand feet away from him, man. He's just psychotic. Yeah, I don't, I don't know this. much about him other than that... Uh... Dark Side of the Ring episode on him, but yeah, yeah, I, that was I, enough. I wouldn't want to wrestle him. He's and everybody like loves him. Like I don't get it. Yeah. When you got broken glass all over the floor of the ring, it's like screw that, Jack. I'm not wrestling that. I'll just uh, yeah. I don't need the money that bad. Well, then like they're talking about. Oh, he just pulls out a, a real pizza cutter and starts carving people's mouths up with it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I mean, where do you draw the line when you say, okay, there's and there's sports and entertainment, then there's just assault and battery, right? Yeah, but but yeah. you know the backyard uh, rednecks love it, I guess. 
Well, I, I think they also love the movie Repo Man. I think they did. I think Eric's screaming, shut up about wrestling <laughs> enough after 20 minutes nearly. I'm sure they do like Repo Man, which we're going to talk about right now. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. You want to talk about... This was your first time watching it, was it not? First time. And I've had this, which you guys listening can't hear, this Blu-ray I'm holding up, for about eight years. Um, sent to me by uh, Umbrella, the Australian company, who is quite a boutique company these days. Never used to be. Uh, there was a rep who worked there. Uh, I forgot her name. Lovely lady who I just hit up and said, hey, I'm part of a film podcast. Blah, blah, blah. Here's our numbers. I inflated them a little bit. And can we get free movies sent to us for for review? And she goes, yeah, sure. And um, Repo Man was one of them. And I just never watched it. And it actually, uh, there is the the front porch of my house, locked away, obviously, a huge box of movies to go to the Goodwill store. And Repo Man was one of them. And then when you brought it up, I thought, I've got to look on the shelf. Did I put it in the box or was it on the shelf? Wasn't on the shelf. Ran out to the box. There it was sitting right on the top. So, yeah. <laughs> was it was it a good call to to save it? Was it a good call to save it? Um, I don't know. It, we're going to get into that because it's still. I'm still processing it because it's not what I thought it was going to be at all. Yeah, yeah. I I think I I don't know. I I I can't remember how I felt the first time I watched it because mm-hmm. it was probably maybe six or seven years ago. I would guess in that range, maybe five. But obviously, I liked it enough to watch it again, and then I, I bought the DVD. And I've watched it maybe two or three times since, and God, it's uh, it's it's kind of becoming one of my favorite movies. Huh. I, I I find it uh, really really enjoyable, but uh, yeah, we can talk about it uh, sure. in, in detail, and uh, we'll we'll give a rating at the end. Yep, yep, we will. So and um, no, oh, God, I was just gonna say, um, yeah. This is a film that I can say off the bat didn't love but didn't hate. It's one and it's one of those rare ones that sticks with me where I've got to just keep thinking and I, I know I'm going back to watch it again. But again, I'll get into all that shortly. So um if I, what I'm doing is prefacing by saying if I sound ambivalent about it by saying I like this and this part I didn't like I'm not two-faced from Batman. I'm just still trying to work this film out. Uh, I can tell you I'm not a fan of Alex Cox at all. I think he's an awful filmmaker and a uh, bit of an egotistical twat. But, again, we'll get into that later, perhaps. All right. So Repo Man from 1984. As you mentioned, it's uh, written and directed by Alex Cox. Did you notice it's uh, presented by Michael Naismith? I saw that in the credits. I said, oh, Monkey Mike has uh, made this. Yeah. This uh, should be good. Yeah, Alex Cox, I don't uh, I don't know if I've seen anything else he directed. Um, Sid and Nancy? Sid and Nancy, I, I haven't seen, but I it was on TCM recently and I recorded it. So I, I will probably watch that at some point. It's awful. Um, it's awful. <laughs> so I, the... The only thing is the performances by Gary Oldman and Chloe Webb as Sid and Nancy are fantastic. They were absolutely the right choices 
for that film. Cox's dialogue, his distortion of uh, the Sex Pistols' history and Sid Vicious's history is so off the mark. Uh, John Lydon, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten, absolutely despises the film, but he hates anything associated with the Sex Pistols <laughs> unless it's done uh, by Julian Temple. But again, he doesn't like the great rock and roll swindle. Uh, but Sid and Nancy, I did pick it up on Blu-ray for nine dollars uh it was on a amazon sale and hey it's here the next day i ordered it at about eleven thirty at night i was here the next day watched it and i said this is terrible and one of my sons said oh dad can i have this a go take it i don't want it it's just awful but um i mean watch it make your own opinion of it but i did not like it at all yeah i don't, I don't... Like punk rock is nothing is, is something I never really got into, so I don't know a lot of the uh, the bands and the the music and the backstories. So, um, although like there's there's some of that stuff in Repo Man too with the the punk rock oh, yeah. scene, uh, yep. definitely. And um, I don't know, just dabbling in some of that stuff recently. It's it's all I I got. I'd say it's it's better than I expected. It's it's maybe different than I expected. Well, there's various styles of punk rock. I mean, uh, the one in this one is the um, the West Coast hardcore scene, which is bands like uh, Fear, Circle Jerks, uh, who else is in there? Black Flag as well. Their music is E Pops in there, but he's more Detroit from the Stooges from many years ago. Then you got your British punk as well. You got your American one from the seventy you know, with the Ramones. The Ramones <laughs> with them. Um, so there's all variations. You got the East Coast scene with bands like the uh, the Germs, the horrible band the Germs who are overrated. So there's all various styles, but this one is the West Coast scene from the uh, early to mid '80s. Right. Mm. See when I when I was growing up. The only punk rock we had was like the pop punk stuff that Green Day started. Yeah. And then everybody kind of splintered off and just made it worse. Yeah, there was, uh, I used to go to a club back in the late 90s, religiously every Friday night, and they would play that sort of stuff along with the oldest style punk. And um, one guy there, this, <laughs> this, you know, old style punk with a huge mohawk, when they played, um, who was the band? I think it was Lagwagon or something like that. He goes, Why are you all dancing to this shit? It's nothing but fast pop music. And he stormed <laughs> off and went to the bar. And yeah, it's it was right. It is just nothing but fast pop. Yeah. Um I mean I don't mind some of it. I'm I'd be a bit of a contradictor if I said I didn't like some of it. Uh AFI I like quite a bit. Uh Goldfinger I really like a lot. So yeah, there there's bands out there, but there are some that are just not right. so good. Green Day is not is one of them who are just awful, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm not and, a fan of Green Day. Nope. I mean, back in the day, I think there was maybe maybe two or three, maybe four of their their big hits that I kind of got into, but like I don't think I could listen to it today. <laughs> no, nah, it's dated. Very along with Blink One Eighty Two, this stuff is just horribly dated, and they're just an awful awful group as well what's weird is i never liked blink 182 when they were around but like a few years back i heard them on the radio and it just sounded better than like the new stuff that's on the radio and i, I don't know if it was 
I don't know. There's so much competition. Just, yeah, <laughs> the I don't stuff know that's out these days is fucking awful. I don't know if it was nostalgia or if just like the new stuff is that much worse than the old stuff. That the the bad stuff from the you know back in the day sounds better now, just Bit of by both. comparison. Yeah, bit of both, I reckon. But yeah, surprising to find this one was eighty four. For some reason, I kept thinking it was eighty seven when I was watching it all along. I was even thinking it was earlier. So, so I don't oh, know. really. I, well, I don't know. Like, I for some reason I was thinking it was like eighty one or something like that. But uh, no, eighty four. Yeah. Eighty four. Yeah. A young uh, Emilio Estevez, who we um, on this show we know best as Coach Gordon Bombay. Oh sure. Of the uh, <laughs> the Mighty Ducks, from uh, oh, really from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. 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 See, I've said all along my favorite Emilio Estevez film is National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon. The greatest <laughs> film he's ever been in. Yeah, we like that one here. Eric really likes that movie. Um, yeah, it's great. He used to always do a, uh, at the theater he worked at, he used to be able to do a, uh, like a private midnight screening on his birthday. And his birthday is around, uh, memorial day so he would always do it like the sunday before memorial day uh and one year he showed loaded weapon part one and uh <laughs> it was pretty funny i i can't remember if i had seen it before or not I, i'd probably seen bits and pieces but uh there was a lot of good stuff in there i I hurried up and watched some lethal weapons before that so i got some more of the jokes but uh mm. I think you I think you found out that the loaded weapon was better than any of the lethal weapon movies <laughs> after that. Which is I still, not I st- good. I still have uh the third and fourth lethal weapons to go and every time I I think I'm gonna watch one I go find something else to watch. <laughs> oh, good call. That third one is atrocious. I watched it in the theaters when it played in I think ninety four. It was in ninety five. I just sat there thinking, This is abysmal. I just ugh. Just squirm in my chair. Couldn't get out of there fast enough. Four was slightly better, but uh, yeah. Three must have been earlier because I think Mulder noticed that in Demolition Man, uh, Sandra Bullock had a Lethal Weapon 3 poster in her 20th century uh, apartment. And that was uh, 93. Possibly. Wow, really? So well, first one's 87, 89. Yeah, it could have been 92 then. Yeah, yeah, and I think they, they there was a pretty big gap between the third and fourth ones. That's yeah, that's what it must be because I think four was ninety seven or ninety eight around there. Yeah, yeah, that's what it must be. Yeah, ninety two sounds right. Okay, there you go. So, anyways, Alex Cox, yeah, Repo Man and Sid and Nancy are probably his biggest directed uh, movies. I don't really yep. recognize really any of these other ones. He did make a movie called Repo Chick in 2009. I just saw that in his bio before. I thought, Oof. yeah. So, but I, um, is it know. even around? Can you even find it? I've never even heard of it. Oh, I'm sure it was straight to DVD or streaming. Yeah, 2009 would have been straight to DVD at that time. Wouldn't have been the streaming circuit. But um, I think he did write Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Did he? The Terry Gilliam film. Co-writer or sole writer. Screenplay, yeah. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Fear and Loathing. Yeah. 
So, you so he wrote two good movies, directed one, and uh, yeah. that was about it. A lot of his uh, problems were his big mouth and his constant fights of Hollywood. And I think they just said enough. We're not going to bother with this guy. Um, Hunter over at the MMC with me is very, very well versed in uh, Alex Cox and his big mouth and the trouble it gets him into. So, um, shame he's not here. He could have uh, clued us in because he loves Repo Man as well. But um, yeah, he's not in mind, so you get my opinion instead. <laughs> my jumbled one. So, yeah. Let's see. Let's go through the cast. We got Harry Dean Stanton as Bud, Emilio Estevez as Otto, Tracy Walter as Miller, Olivia Barash as Layla. Cy Richardson as Light, Susan Barnes as Agent Rogers, who I don't even know if they said her name throughout the movie. I assume she's the one with the metal hand. Yeah. Fox Harris is J. J. Frank Parnell, the driver of the infamous uh, Shelley Malibu. Uh, Tom Finnegan as Oli, Del Zamora as Legarto. And Eddie Velez is Napo. I believe those were the Rodriguez brothers. Yeah. Uh, Xander Schloss is Kevin, who just seems to pop up and just scene after scene. <laughs> just... Yep. There's <laughs> <laughs> a different job every time you see him. Um, then we got Jeff- Jennifer uh, Belgobin as Debbie, Dick Rude as Duke, uh, Miguel Sandoval as. Archie, Vanetta McGee as Marlene, Richard Forengi as uh, Pletchner, the cop, Bruce White as Reverend Larry, Charles Hopkins as Mr. Humphreys, Helen Martin as Mrs. Parks. I don't know if you recognize some of these uh, supporting actors from anything else. Nope. Basically, Harry Dean and uh, Emilio. That's it. Um, All the rest are unknowns to me. Helen Martin, who played Mrs. Parks, was Loke Dog's grandma in Don't Be a Menace. Uh, she was also... Ah, in, I she, think... I she think was Brett, death, she was in Death Wish as Alma is, Lee Brown. Is that the black lady who uh, Otto is trying to get the uh, car from and all that group of guys coming to is it that yeah yeah they're they're in the right. living room drinking coffee or whatever and the band comes in she turns up in they call me bruce <laughs> <laughs> you'll see her in that nice yeah she's uh let's see what else she's been in and don't you think that's the last name of mrs parks <laughs> this is a bit um, <laughs> you know what i'm talking about when i heard it, i thought oh boy on the okay. nose yeah she was in the TV series "That's My Mama," which was uh, <laughs> which was spoofed on Mad TV with uh, Artie Lang as "That's My White Mama." <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> no, I know Artie Lang, but yeah, it was the, the early days of Mad TV. They did a spoof of that where, uh, like, Artie Lang switched bodies with uh, like a black woman. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, that's my mama, but it was, that's my white mama. And he, he would always say, don't make me break my foot off in your ass. 
Oh, she was also Back when comedy was actually comedy. Yeah, you could you actually could say do what you jokes like that. She appeared on a oh, few episodes yeah. of Sanford and Son. Of course, What's good happening? times, most likely. Good times. Yeah. yeah, she was weeping Wanda Williams on Good Times. I'm not familiar with that character. Yeah. She's part of what we call the uh, racial Rolodex. If you need a uh, old black lady, you just flip through the Rolodex and pull her out. Like you need a Asian henchman, you'll go to Al Leong or uh, yeah, one of the other guys out there. Yeah, she was in Hollywood Shuffle, two two seven, House Party two. <laughs> the, the worst <laughs> one, a lot, pretty much. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop three. She was in uh, Bullworth. You know what? She's a working actor. Yeah, she's, she's... in uh, quite a few things. Long mm. career. She worked right up till she died at the age of 90. There you go. Her last credit was uh, a TV movie in the year 2000, and that's the year she died. So, good for her. Mm. Oh, good on her. Yeah. Um, let's see who else we have in the cast here. I think we named all the... Uh, most of the big names. Jimmy Buffett is in there. <laughs> as, uh, oh, so it, is um, Chuck Biscuits, Danzig's drummer. So is um, Keith Morris, Circle Jerks um, vocalist. Yeah, the Circle Jerks are the nightclub band. They're doing the, mm. uh, I don't know what you call it, the, uh, the lounge act. Yeah. Which is funny, considering the circle jerks were far from a lounge act. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was the joke. Yeah. And then uh, the the Scooter Guys members were the Untouchables. So they were the guys who showed up at Mrs. Parks' house at at just the right moment. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Untouchables. I I know that face. How do I know that face? Yeah, it was Chuck Biscuits. Very cool. Good soundtrack as well in this film, I should say. Really enjoyed the soundtrack. Yeah, I thought um, thought you might. Yeah, and having Iggy Pop sing the main theme or the theme song, I love me some Iggy Pop. He's my favorite singer. Well, my favorite entertainer, not my favorite singer. He's not the greatest singer, but as a stage frontman, Iggy Pop is my favorite of anybody ever. Yeah, I've never really listened to him uh, regularly. I I know maybe a couple of his... uh... His bigger hits, but uh, yeah, yeah, never really too. dug into to his back catalog. A couple more on the uh, the cast here. Luis Contreras was Mr. Humphreys' security guard. Uh, Alex Cox made an appearance as the car wash attendant. Uh, oh, and then, okay. And then Michael Michael Naismith was the rabbi at the end there. No way! I didn't pick him. He was kind of in the background. I don't know if I would have recognized him. I recognize the name. I don't know if I would recognize the face, but uh, yeah, I would for sure. I I know there was uh, they did the, the the reverend and then the the rabbi was behind him, and he was just I don't know, he was kind of obscured. So like you okay. could tell he was a rabbi, but mm-hmm. I don't think you got a good look at him. Um, and I think there was another religious person there, but I don't know if they're credited. So those last three, Contreras, Cox, and Naismith, were not credited, but they were in the movie. Okay. 
Yeah, because I didn't see a name in the credits. Yeah, so that makes sense. Uh, let's see. The synopsis. A young punk recruited by a car repossession agency finds himself in pursuit of a Chevrolet Malibu and is wanted for twenty for a $20,000 bounty and has something otherworldly stashed in its trunk. Which we never see what it is. Well, you saw what happens when you look at it, right? Actually, they well, yeah, do. They that. do have photos of it, but you don't actually see it like in the trunk itself. No, that's what I meant. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the MacGuffin. It's you know, it's the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. It's the trunk in Repo Man. It's, it does something, and it's got something. And it's valuable, but no one knows what it is. It looks like sausages. <laughs> <laughs> Some expensive sausages, I tell you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the movie opens up on a desert highway, and uh, we see the, she- the, the Chevy Malibu kind of just cruising along. Driver looking a little disheveled, sunglasses with one lens busted out. It's pulled over by a boulder sex like cop. That. That, was, that made me laugh. <laughs> the driver's pretty hilarious. I, I like him. And I, I like too. Like, he's so deadpan. He's it's uh, about as straight a character as you can possibly get as a straight man, even though he's quite funny in it. I like too that uh, before they get the uh, the bounty on the car, he's just like wanders through various scenes as they're driving, like just like uh, we'll get to it. But after the first uh, the the first car that Otto uh, repossesses. Like they're on the freeway, and there's just a short scene of the the Malibu cutting them off with the blinker on. <laughs> just yep. But uh, yep. so the the car is hot; it's literally hot, and uh, the uh, the cop asks to look in the trunk, which I don't know why he was going to look in the trunk. That's uh, you need a warrant for that. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, we, so we get the first yeah. uh, right away. You, you get the the consequences of uh, w- looking in the trunk, and he just uh, basically disintegrates. Yeah, uh, literally just dies with his boots on. That's all that's left is his boots. It's yeah. a it's a great opening scene. I really set the tone. I thought, wow, it's gonna be a fantastic film. I but, like the um, effect yeah. on that with the uh, like the X ray. Yeah. And the skeleton, and then it's just gone, and uh, and then the the guy just didn't they off. use that picture? I think they use that picture for the Criterion Blu-ray, the X-ray, or was it Arrow? I think it might have been Arrow. Uh, released Repo Man with that X-ray as the the front cover. So the Criterion one is a it's a skull looking sideways with a mohawk. Okay, that could be what I'm thinking of then. That's probably Unless there's an error release, I'm not which, sure. Which isn't even like a... That's not even really an accurate... <laughs> a skull with a mohawk. Like, nobody has a mohawk in this movie. None of the main characters. Criterion anyways. run by their own rules. They just make their own covers up and think, yeah, this is great. They'll The Criterion Tards will accept it. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a collector's edition DVD... But it just has like the regular poster on it, like what's on uh, IMDb. Mm. Okay. Well, I've got a question for you. After that opening scene, we see Otto with his 
punk mates and they're all dancing around, if you can call it dancing, etc, etc. But I want to skip forward quickly to when he's in the convenience store that he works at. He's stacking... First of all, must say, the fact that they label everything in this with just plain labels, beer, drink, food, um, tissues, or whatever it was, was a great a great move. I really like that a lot. I just do. That's that quite that's funny. What, that's one of my favorite parts of it. It just gets me yeah. every time. I thought, well, they're trying to avoid branding. Why are they showing one scene where there's Jim Beam bottles everywhere when you just take them out of there and relabel them as uh, bourbon or whatever? Well, there, there's one. There's one scene too. It's uh, it's towards the end. I noticed this when uh, when Duke and uh, what's her name Debbie are parked outside the store. Mm-hmm. Like there's Bud Light neon signs yeah, and stuff in the window. Yeah, but then yeah. when they go in, it's all generic. Yeah, it's just generic beer. That's yeah, it. but anyway, so Otto is stacking the shelves, and his manager comes up to him and gives him some grief, whatever, and. Question one, is it always practice for the manager to have a armed security guard with him? <laughs> uh, question two, when Otto pushes the cans towards his manager and says, fuck you, is it a common practice for then the security guard to pull a firearm on an employee? I'm going to take a wild guess and say the answer is no. I'm going to say no. Although okay. in that neighborhood... With all the all the crimes happening at convenience stores, maybe yeah. maybe it's a little more of a necessity. Okay, it's probably a necessity to have the gun, but to draw it on an employee for a curse word. No, I I think that was definitely satire or uh, exaggeration for the sake of laughs. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's funny too in that scene. You mentioned uh, they're stacking the generic food, but Kevin is singing the Seven Up jingle. so maybe he's saying that place is so bad all they can afford is generic stuff they can't afford branded stuff i don't know but it's like everywhere like everywhere Mm. they go it's it's generic so the town is such a rundown hole that you know it's such a poor area they can't afford to have the higher end stuff of food they gotta have the generic the generic can of baked beans. Not that it's in the but you know what I mean. When right. you buy you go to a market and there's generic baked beans, generic tin spaghetti, generic sugar and et cetera, et cetera. So is that area such a rundown area, which we see it is, that all it is is basically generic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dunno. I don't know, but I, I just it makes me laugh. But yeah, the security yeah. guard pulling the gun was uh was a bit much. And he, you, you could tell that he was, uh, he wanted to be old West sheriff and laid on the law, you know, just the way he, uh, he pulled it out so quickly. Yeah. But, uh, was, yeah. uh, was Mr. Humphreys, Mr. Humphreys was the boss. Was he Kevin's dad? Cause I think when they, uh, when they go to find the people, that, the guy that beat up Otto later, they send, he sends him to Mr. Humphreys house. Well, we got a clip for that later, but uh, and then, I yeah. think Kevin was in the background. He's kind of blurry, but uh, possibly, I, yeah. I just um, didn't really take notice of that. Didn't yeah, I'll, I'll have to look for that next time I watch it because I kind of—I don't think I ever put that together before. And mm. uh, I don't know. I don't. I didn't even remember the scene where he sends him to Mister Humphrey's house, and like I had just watched this maybe six months ago, so. 
I don't yeah. know. I'll I'll have to look for that next time I watch it. But it is definitely one of those films that there's more in there every time you watch it. It's one of those films that unpacks itself with each viewing. I think so for sure. Yeah, but that would make it even funnier because he fires his own kid. If that's the case. <laughs> True, yeah. But I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, because they go to the... It's Kevin's house where they have the party after they get fired. And I don't think it looks like the house they go to with the bat. So maybe I'm just uh, putting things together that don't... Yeah. But... uh, Putting a square in a round hole. (laughs) Certain conspiracy theories. Yeah. uh, Yeah, so they go to the house party. Everybody's... uh, what is it, slam dancing? Is that is that what you would call it? Yeah, oh, pogos. Yeah, pogo dancing, slam dancing, all this sort of stuff. It's, uh, I mean, Alex Cox knows the culture. There's no denying that. I'm sure he was part of it back in England or even over in America. If I don't know how long he's been over there, uh, but he he knows about. It. He knows the the bands of who to get at that time. Well, would have been pretty hot. So um yeah it's a fair representation of what went on. You know you um throw each other around. I mean not that I never did it. I just I'm too safety conscious for this sort of thing. <laughs> Even back in my 20s but you know they throw each other around but they also look out for each other so nobody gets hurt. So Right. But yeah, it was mere slam dancing, pogoing, all that. Uh but Emilio Estevez did not he look he looked really out of place. Yeah, as a punk. the The hairdo, the crew cut hairdo, yes, was correct, but he didn't seem to have that have that sort of punk ideology of uh, you know anti you know anti capitalist ideology, you know um, a DIY aesthetic to life. Kind of just seemed out of place. The other guy, though, the uh, Phil Anselmo lookalike from Pantera, the um. <laughs> The uh, the good mate of his who ended up sleeping with his girlfriend. Yeah, he he definitely represented that look of that time. Yeah, Duke was played Duke, by that's... D- Dick Rude. Well, what a name! Who <laughs> I don't know if uh, if he did anything else. He joined Pantera. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do much. He was in uh, Sid and Nancy. And a few other things. Oh, of, co- of course, yeah. But he uh, he did a TV movie in 93, and then his next thing was in 2005, and that's it for acting. He managed his brother, Ravishing Rick, didn't he? <laughs> Talk about uh, two uh, extremes there. Mm. Yeah. He directed a handful of Red Hot Chili Peppers videos. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Anthony Kiedis would have been all over it. Oh, man, you're in Repo, man. you got to direct my music video. I wonder what happened to Anthony Kiedis. I haven't seen him at the UFC in about four years. He used to be at every single one. Oh, did he? I don't know. He used uh, to be. I haven't, I haven't noticed him recently. But uh, Yeah. You do know who his father is, don't you? Maybe. No? Okay. Lethal Weapon? Here's a fun fact. His father is in that. His father goes by the name of Blackie Dammit. Oh, and he is the guy at the start. The one who uh, Mel Gibson is holding off the cliff or the edge of the building or something like that. 
and he's saying he's going to kill himself. Oh, is he the jumper? Yeah, that's him. I'm sure we mentioned that when we did an episode on Lethal Weapon. It's I haven't watched that movie since then, but uh, right, I'm right. sure we he, I'm sure we mentioned it. He was also the lead in National Lampoon's Class Reunion. He played um, Walter Baylor. I've, but, I've um, never yeah. seen that. So okay, yeah, but he is um, yeah, he's Anthony Kiedis' father, the one who turned him onto drugs at a young age. <laughs> what a what a. It's a fatherly figure he is. He took him under the bridge that time? Yeah. Literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at the house, there's a couple scenes there at the house. So there's a scene where Kevin and uh, Otto are talking about what jobs they're going to get. And uh, Kevin's like, oh, you know, I, I'm going to be a fry cook. There's room to move as a fry cook. I can be manager in two years. <laughs> two years, yeah. <laughs> take advantage of my uh, opportunities. And uh, Otto is just like, uh, I don't yeah, want to do any of that no. shit. And then, uh, and then Otto is upstairs with, uh, with Debbie, I believe it is. Yeah, Debbie. Yep, Debbie. And <laughs> he makes a big point of folding up his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I I don't know what the purpose of that part was, but other than it's it's it kind was of funny. hilarious, you know. Yeah. As soon as he gets ready, he's just like she's she's like not into it, and he's like, "How about a blowjob?" And uh, she's like, "Go get me a beer." So he goes down in his undies, and mm. uh, he comes back, and Duke's banging her while he's about yeah. to bang her. The one thing I didn't understand was the whole crime spree with Duke, Debbie, and the other guy. I thought. I don't understand what this subplot is really achieving in this film. Yeah, it, I don't know if it was like to show the dichotomy of Otto becoming a working man versus his his peers turning to crime. Although Otto, you could argue, is maybe just as bad because he's going and stealing cars, you know? I mean, it's legal. He's just doing his wearing a suit and tie. That's it, or a, you know, a shirt and pants. Whereas the other ones are just you know robbing stores, yeah, in their punk clothes. But really, there's no difference in the crimes they're committing. Yeah, okay, yeah. One's probably considered a bit more extreme than the other, but yeah, he is breaking the cars and repossessing them. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we can get to our first clip here. Um, so Otto is, uh, wandering aimlessly, kicking the can down the street and it gets flagged down by Bud, who we find out to be later, Bud, the, uh, repossessor. And so, uh, okay. we'll go ahead and, uh, play it. Hey, kid. Hey, hey, you hard of hearing, Ace? What do you want? You want to make ten bucks? Fuck you, queer. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, kid. You got the wrong idea. Look, my old lady's real sick. I got to get her to the hospital, okay? So what? Take her there. I can't. I can't leave her car in this bad area. Look, I need some helpful soul to drive it for me, okay? She's pregnant. She, with twins, she could drop at any time, all right? Well, uh, how much you going to give me? Fifteen bucks. No. We'll do it for less than 20. 25. Problem in my old lady's car. It's right here, okay? All right. Where's uh, where's your old lady at? Never mind about that. Right now, we got to get both of my cars out of this bad area, all right? 
Come on. Hey, Papa, Venati, sunt gringo în lăcaie cu un pupuțe. Obviously, he doesn't speak Spanish because he, he just stole a Mexican family's car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, the uh, ploy by Bud to say, hey, I got a pregnant wife with twins and I uh, need help with this car. I thought that was very well written. Yes. I enjoyed that. Instead of him just saying, hey, you want to make some money? Uh, What? Uh, You got to repossess this car. The fact he had to uh, stooge him into doing this. Yeah, I thought that was... uh. Well done. Well, yeah, it's funny too. I don't know if you would get it in a, a movie today, but you know, you get the uh, the rebuffing of the. Uh, he, he thinks he's picking him up for a gay sex, you know, and uh, yeah. I, I don't know if they would put that in a, a modern movie. Maybe they would. I don't know, but uh, maybe Kevin Spacey one. <laughs> that's ah, uh, yeah. uh, Except for Kevin Space, would be like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> how, old, how old are you? Yeah. 21, that's too old. 21? You you were out of date seven years ago. <laughs> Get out of here. Which you know, we learn later on, he's not 21. He's only 18. Yeah. Yeah. Which is and funny. Which is reference back to, it's reference back to when he's in the repo shop and... He gives his license to that lady. She goes, are you 21? He goes, that's what it says. Right. Which I knew straight away. I know he's not. Yep. Yeah. It's a forge. And that's, that's the, the next scene here. He follows uh, bud to the repo lot. And uh, it takes him a minute to figure out what's going on. He's like, what happened to your uh, pregnant wife? He's like, Oh my God, did I forget her? <laughs> well, he drives into this yard with all these cars. He, doesn't twig this something not right here right it does take him quite a while to, to jerry on what he's what he's actually there for well and while he's in there a guy's in there buying his car back the best car yeah. on the lot <laughs> yeah right i don't know maybe it's just uh me but that guy looked kind of familiar and i couldn't place it but i i don't remember uh maybe it's george sawaya the first repo victim could be well he might be the mexican actually i don't know well repo man was the last acting job he did so <laughs> there's no picture in um imdb it might not be him he, that no. guy was born in 23 he would have been oh no no he was too yeah. old he would have been 60 odd by this time 
Yeah, that's not him. No, that would have been somebody else. Anyways. So yeah, yeah. the guy the guy's buying his uh, his car back, which is pretty good, you know, because they they do the thing like like neither one wants to give up. The guy Exchange the money and the keys at the same time. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I hate to give up that car. It's the best one on lot. Because um, I think they're just driving the repo cars around. Because I, I don't think they have like their own cars. They're just you know they they take one of the repoed cars and they just yeah you know go pick up another one. Yeah. And uh, so he was uh, he was disappointed to get rid of that. But yeah, he uh, he tosses a beer to Otto and it's like, uh, "You want to be a, a repo man?" And, and Otto dumps the beer out in the on the carpet. It's like, yeah. "Well, we already are one," and, and she gets paid for it. But uh, that's that was odd. I thought if that had been a guy coming to my establishment as a, even as a repo man, potential one, you pour him beer in my carpet, you're out the door. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 You, you're getting the mo- you're getting unsavory guys in there as repo men, but you ain't pouring beer on my carpet, uh, and I'm giving you a job for it. No way. But whatever. If that's their uh, if that's their bag, I guess they saw something in him. In him. I mean, obviously he did a good job with the the first one, but he had the keys. Like he didn't have to break in or anything. It just like... no. But uh, I thought it was funny, too. I, I think it was uh, a character named Light came in and he goes, uh, somebody piss on the carpet again? Because apparently that happens. Yeah. I would imagine it happens, you know, frequently in a place like that. Probably, yeah. They don't well, do it. in a junkyard anyway, so. About uh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, there was just a whole bunch of repo reality shows. Like just a ton of them. I remember seeing one called um, Texas Car Wars. I enjoyed that, but they, that wasn't repo. That was actually going to junkyards, buying old cars and flipping them for a profit. So yeah, it wasn't were, really that. There were a couple. I can't remember what they were all called, but there was, I don't know. There was at least one or two of them that were staged for sure. Hmm. Um, there was another one where. Like they were in the office and they would show the people coming in to get their cars out of repo. And, uh, you know, they'd get into fights and stuff. And the one that I would watch the most was, oh, I think it was called Repo Games. It was like a game <laughs> show to get your car uh, oh my paid off. Um, oh. And they had a couple of good seasons. And then, like, the, the last season or two, it was, uh, like, you could tell it was really kind of staged. Yeah, repo a stage games. reality show. Who would have thought? <laughs> but like, they have these guys come to repo a car, and uh, they'd hook it up on the on the the tow truck, and they'd yeah. be like, "If you answer five trivia questions right, we'll pay off your car free and clear." Oh, that's if you, if you get them wrong, if you get any wrong, we're repoing your car. <laughs> we're taking it right now, and so they would agree to it, and they, they would be a game show to get your car. <laughs> to keep your car jeez and uh i i thought that was pretty funny i used to watch that quite a bit do you want to know something interesting we don't have repo men in australia there's no such trade interesting no not at all so what happens if somebody uh defaults on a car loan well that becomes a a, an issue with a bank but actual repo men no there's not 
I mean, we got we got sheriffs, but they have to go through a lot of um, paperwork to get these things. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, right, we're gonna just break breaking into a car would not happen. That right. that is grounds for a you know a lawsuit. That most likely the person whose car is being repossessed would win. Um, but what the the, the trade that um, Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton have in this, those guys, no, they they don't exist here. I don't think I've, they've ever existed. Not in the uh, the time I've been around. Interesting. It is a shady practice for sure to just go in the middle of the night. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it seems like that's what they're doing. But even on those like reality shows, like they'd get it hooked up on the the tra- on the uh, on the tow truck, and somebody would jump in the, <laughs> the driver's seat and try to drive it away. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be like on the on the hook, uh, and then with like the back wheels up, and then it would be front wheel drive. And yeah, <laughs> sometimes sometimes you'd have a big truck, and like it, it could pull the tow truck, and uh, or it would rip the bumper off, or. Like it was, uh, it was pretty wild. Like you would ruin the car just to keep the bank from taking it. Yeah, yeah. So, like with I was saying, that repo men don't exist here. Another thing that do not exist here: a bail bondsman. We don't have such a thing either. All bonds are put upon the families to secure, but there's no bail bondsman whatsoever. Or you can go get a loan from them. Hmm. So do they do they do cash bail or is it a different system? Well, thankfully I've never been in that position for anyone. <laughs> I know, I don't know. But I know there is bonds set for various prices for you know various people and various crimes, but um how they're paid, I mean I'm guessing they're put against their house. So if the bond is say a hundred grand for someone, they'll put it against their house, mortgage, etc. Hmm. I don't know how it's done. It could be cash bonds. I dare say they wouldn't be rejected. But bail bondsmen themselves uh, are something I only knew from movies and then actually seeing them when I was visiting America. Right. I'd see bonds of the bonds, you know. Just like the one in the movies. Yeah, I don't have I don't have personal experience with it, but my understanding is the bail bonds you pay ten percent down. And then they'll cover your bail, you know, completely. And then if you yeah. if you show up to court, you get your bail back, and then they would refund you the ten percent. Right. I think that's how it works. But then what are skip tracers? People who don't. That's people. Who, skip tracers are the people that are basically bounty hunters, right? So they they're right. people that find people who no show their court appearances. Right. Because that's the agreement. You you pay your your bail. So you get a bail bond to pay your bail so they'll re- release you from jail until your court appearance on the understanding that you'll show up to your court appearance. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't show up, they go and send somebody to find you. And that's like Dog the Bounty Hunter is, is right, that guy. Right, Yeah. But, uh, okay. But I, I know like some of the... Uh, some of the blue states are dabbling in the uh, no cash bail, so they just let people out. <laughs> and they don't have to pay to get out; they just get out because they, they say it's a burden on uh, poor people. Yeah, but, 
but then they uh then there's a lot of recidivism um under that that policy they um, would be <laughs> in fact in new york i think they they had so few people coming back for the court appearances on okay uh who were bailed out without a you know a cash bail or like they just let them out that yeah. they were like they were giving them incentives to come to court uh, this was a few years ago I read about this, and one of the incentives was they were giving away tickets to the New York Mets baseball games. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was thinking, that's like a punishment in and of itself. <laughs> that <laughs> reminds me of um, the opening of the film Sea of Love, um, if you've ever seen that with Al Pacino, where they would have all these guys uh, who were sent free tickets to, I think it was a baseball game or something, and they were to come to this hall to collect all the tickets. And when they all congregated there at that time, that was stated on the letter, they were all arrested. <laughs> <laughs> you dumb bastard. That was the best way to scoop them all up in one hit, was to stooge them into thinking they were getting free tickets or something, which is reminding me of what you just said there. Yeah. If I that's the way they possibly got them. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie, but The Simpsons did that too in at least one episode. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's a that's a shady practice. But I mean, if you're dumb enough to and, to go to the police station to pick up your free tickets when you have warrants, oh no, it wasn't a police station. It was actually like a big hall. They said you got to come to such and such hall and give us your name and collect your tickets. And once they got everybody in, they just shut the doors and arrested the lot. <laughs> yeah, they got all those practices. Uh, I mean, what was the popular one before we get back into Repo Man was where. People with um, neck injuries who were claiming compensation would turn up in court and someone behind them, you know, a cop or someone affiliated with the law in plain clothes would slam down a heavy phone book and they'd turn their head around in reaction and basically that was it. The, the case was thrown out. Right. I've heard of that one before, yeah. 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 But there's always those practices out there, but yeah. Everybody's trying, everybody's trying to scam the system. That's the way it is. The system's not, got itself to blame at times. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> got to be in it to win it, I guess, eh? Well, speaking Much of like in Lotto. it to win it, I was going to buy a lottery ticket tonight. Uh, we're recording this the, the night of the drawing of the $1 billion Mega Millions drawing. <sighs> and I didn't get a chance to get one earlier, but... After uh, I got out of the movie tonight, before I was going to come home, I had, I had 10 minutes to buy it before the cutoff. And so I go to a grocery store next to the mall where the theater is, because that was the closest place that sold lottery tickets. And mm-hmm. I had to get it in by 9 o'clock. Their service counter where they sell lottery tickets closed at 8. That's insane. And I was so Why pissed. Why would they do that? I was so pissed. And it was like, I, it, by that time, I didn't have time to drive somewhere else. Like, I had like five minutes to go by them. So I didn't get any. And uh, now I'm sure somebody will win. And, you know, not that I was going to win anything, but. Uh, if you find you out that the winning ticket came from Nat's service counter, <laughs> you will be pissed off. Boy, I feel like a horse's patoot. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But uh, I don't I don't play the lottery often. But I figure for a billion dollars, worth a couple bucks to, to throw in there. The the just real quick, the agency ten minutes from us where we do get them sometimes just gave off the, the lottery winning two weeks back. 
I mean, there's about three point four million or something. The wife was sitting there going, "No, <laughs> it could have been us. Should have been us." But anyway, I like to dream. You know, like what would I do if I if I got a billion dollars? A billion dollars is insane. You, you'd probably get maybe six or six hundred, seven hundred million if you take the cash. Is that all? Yeah, that's pretty piss poor, really. <laughs> Jeez. Because they, they, uh, the estimate that they give is a, I think it's a 30 year annuity. So they, they calculate right. it with interest. And then if, if you take the cash value, they, they subtract the interest and then they tax like half of it on top of that. So you get maybe three, $300, $400. Yeah, that, that's the same year. If you take it up front, you get taxed to the hilt. If you do it the twenty thousand bucks a month for life, uh, it's tax free. But does life include the afterlife? If I die and my kids inherit it, if it's not, well, I could be gone in ten years, and they ain't getting the full winnings. Right. So, yeah. Anyway. But anyway. Yeah. Anyways. So back to Repo Man. I don't know. Absolutely, positively does not want to be a, a repo man. He hates it. It's a disgusting trade. He, he wants nothing to do with it. Um, and on his way out, we get the little line from Miller, who's uh, Bud and Miller are probably the two best characters in this movie. Otto is up there. I like Otto. But uh, Bud and Miller are, are my favorites. Um, Brett, did you get the joke? Bud? One? Miller <laughs> and Miller. White, yeah. No, now that you mention it, yeah, I see it now. <laughs> Why you not no joke when you hear joke? I yeah, I didn't even think about that. I'm not a drinker, so it's not uh, it's not on the top. Nor of am my, I, and we don't even mind. have those drinks. We got Budweiser here, but we don't have Miller. But I mean, Bud Light, Miller Light, right? Yeah, yeah. That's clever. Had no idea. But he says uh, he's burning. He's always burning stuff they find in the cars, just in a barrel in the parking lot. And there's a, he's got one of them uh, pine tree air fresheners. He says you find one in every car, and I think that's true for the rest of the movie. So you find mm. one in every car. Yeah, I've never had one. I I don't know. I don't stick my car up that much, so I don't <laughs> find, I don't find the need to have one. <laughs> So you think people who drive around with one have an admission of guilt of being smelly or stink their cars up? Well, they're probably smoking in there. That's probably why they yeah, have it. Probably. Uh, next, we see uh, there's there's some kind of investigation going on in the desert where the uh, the policeman disappeared. And uh, we get uh, introduced to the agents, which uh, were they from that UFO? I think, yeah, they were. Outfit? Yeah. But uh, I'm guessing they may have been actually aliens themselves because later on they kept saying when they were being attacked, uh, don't touch the face, don't touch the face. So were they UFOs in disguise or something? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't catch that. That's a good point. Yeah. Could be. It was when they had broken, which later on we'll get to, when they break Otto out of that where he's being tortured on the bed where uh, the agent Rogers and Layla are torturing him on the bed and they're watching him on the camera and he gets busted out. Those two agents later, just a few seconds after that, 
were being attacked and one says don't hit the face don't hit the face so that's because they were pretty boys and didn't want to be attacked or were they actually aliens and like in disguise yeah and if they had got attacked the face would have cracked and broken away i don't know it could be they were definitely interested in that that malibu and what was inside of it they really wanted that car and they do not want local police involved um and to to uh kind of this dissuade their uh or to uh keep them from getting too nosy uh agent rogers goes uh it happens sometimes people just explode it's natural causes <laughs> of course <laughs> if you're a spinal tap drummer it's natural causes i guess <laughs> but uh it's not for everybody else Oh, we we mentioned it earlier, but the the scene where Otto and Kevin are looking for jobs is actually at this point in the movie. Uh, yeah, I had forgotten about this. Uh, Otto he tells Kevin about a dream he had of both of them being sixty five year olds working at a hotel as bellhops. Yeah, which is just kind of a non sequitur. I think I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that really has anything to do with anything. But uh, no, I I banked that quote away and thought are we going to finish off with seeing him as 65 year old bellhops <laughs> in the future at the end but it's not the case so yeah it might be just a nonsensical line that was put in there just for comedic purposes i guess could be so otto still looking for a job well not necessarily looking for a job but he wants money so you know visit his parents who are some burnt out <laughs> hippies watching reverend larry <laughs> on the tv <laughs> and uh, found god via the television <laughs> we have a clip for this uh which i i thought was kind of hilarious because this is uh in this clip otto goes in the refrigerator and grabs a can of food food <laughs> it's not this even food like, yeah it's not even like specific and he's just eating it straight from the can but uh so, yeah we have no idea what it is Here's the clip. The Lord has told me personally, yay, for I walk with the Lord. Amen. He said, Larry, you and your flock shall see the promised land, but only if you first destroy the twin evils of godless communism abroad and liberal humanism at home. Oh, oh, mother, joy oh, father. Hallelujah. Smash them down. Eat. told me a long time ago well not too long ago but um you told me that you'd give me a thousand dollars to go to europe if i finish school you know something you were right about finishing school that's that's what i'd like to do but um i wonder if i can have the money first like now you know i really love you dad i've always loved you you too mom what do you say I don't have it anymore. 
What? Your father gave all our extra money to the Reverend's toast, huh, Otto? We're sending Bibles to El Salvador. Well, what about me? You're on the honor roll of the chariots of fire. Same as us, Otto. It was a gift from all of us, jointly. Yeah, Otto, you're not getting that money up front. You never were. <laughs> it's already spent. So I, I guess, you know, watching this, I was thinking, oh, he, he must be talking about college. But now that we, we mentioned that he's actually 18, he must be a high school dropout, right? That's the implication. And yep. uh, yeah, they they sent to... Uh, they sent all their extra money to Reverend Larry's telethon to send Bibles to El Salvador <laughs> on the honor roll of the chariots of fire, just like the rest of us. <laughs> yep. So Sending uh, money to the Lord does a lot of good, doesn't it? But it, it was funny. Uh, you hear in the background uh, the Reverend on the TV and, uh, He's like saying stuff like, uh, God wants money and that's why I want money. Send me your money so I can give it to God. You know, he's just one of those bullshit uh, TV reverends that was uh, prevalent in the 80s. Like, uh, but Jim Baker and uh, basically everybody, everybody who was in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. <laughs> was depicted in that movie. You want, you wanted to know what happened with that money you should watch the documentary Marjo from 1972 about Marjo Gortner. He shows you, he blows the lid on the whole thing about the, uh, you know, evangelist preachers and which became a televangelist. Um, yeah. Well, he's out there preaching to the uh, congregation. And the next thing you see him rolling around the bed of all the money <laughs> about how much he loves the money. Uh, yeah, yeah. He got himself in a lot of trouble over that doco. They didn't like him for that. There's still a guy. Watch. There's still one of them guys. I can't remember who his name is, but like once in a while, like he'll have late night commercials on like DET and TV One selling the green prayer cloth. It's <laughs> like a prayer handkerchief. And he's like, send me 25 bucks and I'll send you this green handkerchief. <laughs> and you can pray it. You, you pray for more money. Right, which he'll me, want off you once you've got more money. You got to send me twenty five bucks to do it. It's such a scam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that? Uh, Joel Esteen Ministries is that him? Joel Esteen, yeah, yeah. Joel Esteen is that him? Yeah. No, it's a different. It's a different guy. Different guy. Okay. He's uh, he looks like one of the guys from the eighties. Um, he's an older guy. He's got really leathery skin. Jet black hair. Oh, let's see if I can find his name. He sounds like the <laughs> the preacher that um, Arsenio Hall played in Coming to America. Oh, is it that guy Cleafus Dollar? Is that him? Don Stewart. Oh, no, I never heard of him. He's the guy I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Yeah, he sells a, a green prosperity prayer cloth. But uh, yeah, Joel Osteen, I didn't, I, I didn't really look into it, but apparently, God, I don't know how they found it, but 
I guess at his mega church, somebody had hidden like ten thousand dollars in cash behind one of the the uh, toilets. Oh, the hell you say! Really, I would never <laughs> have thought of such a thing. I don't know how they got in there if they were doing renovations or, or like somebody just happened to be poking around it's... behind the, the the toilet and the wall, but uh, yeah, it was uh... all shady. They're all shady. I mean, even when you go to church and they pass around the uh, the donation plate, yeah, I'll donate it to the next person. I'm not fucking dropping any money on there. Well, those ones especially because they don't even like hide it. They, oh, I know. They just—it's like here's a donation plate. I was looking at sometimes there's like fucking twenty dollar bills. I thought, what the hell? Who the fuck's dropping a twenty buck bill? So you're telling me you're paying because you're being entertained. So if you're being entertained, the person on stage the priest isn't really a priest they're more of an entertainer right and so they're what are you paying for yeah. they're, they're they're buying private jets and mansions and cars and like it's yeah. uh, i don't know like, the lord told them to brett don't be <laughs> such a bigot oh boy yeah so anyways uh otto is He's, he's kind of out of options here for money. No job, no parents' uh, money to help him out. His parents are just, you know, they, they like gone. totally out. burnt out. Just, yeah. just they're not there. Um, and there's, there's actually a pretty quick transition to our next clip. They're actually like back-to-back scenes in the movie because Otto goes and asks his friends or his parents for money and he gets turned down. And immediately he's riding shotgun with Bud as Bud gives him the uh, the uh, kind of rules of the, the road for being yeah. a, a, rep, a repo man. So how much do I get paid? 25 bucks a car? Paid? You don't get paid. Are you kidding? You work on commission. That's better than being paid. Most cars you rip are worth two or $300. $50,000 Porsche might make you five grand. Come on, dickhead. Situations. Repo man spends his life getting into tense situations. 
Let's go get a drink. Tense situations, kid. Get in five or six of them a day don't mean shit anymore. I mean, I've seen men stabbed that mean shit. Yeah, I've seen guns, guns, too. They don't mean shit. But that's when you got to watch yourself. Here, I'll handle it, pal. Try to settle down. <laughs> Have a nice day. Never done speed. Boy, he was a quick learner, wasn't he? <laughs> speed, huh? He was doing those lines pretty damn good. <laughs> so we, we heard Bud has the, the repo man's code. Uh, don't bring any harm to the vehicle. Don't allow any harm to come to the vehicle or its contents. Um, and then we get the first of the recurring uh, joke of them just missing Duke and his crew as they rob a store that they, uh, you know, go to. Yep. I laugh so hard when he says, let's go get a drink, and it cuts to them at the convenience store, and he just throws down the cans of drink on the counter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So one can't uh, blame this film for a lot of product placement because there ain't none. No, I mean I mean there's some, but it seems more like they just it's couldn't take background. it like they just couldn't take yeah. it down from the the store that they were shooting in front of, you know. Yeah, that's it. But it wasn't uh, deliberate. But like the the stuff that they actually use in the scenes, no, definitely not. No. <laughs> no. Let's see. From there, we're uh, we're introduced to the Rodriguez brothers, who are a uh, another uh, rival repo uh, outfit. Although they seem to work with uh, Marlene, who is like the receptionist at the uh, the repo office. So that she maybe a Bud works at maybe a bit of a, a turncoat, a bit of a, a unless or was she a plant at the repo joint where Bud and Otto worked? Yeah. I was really working for the Rodriguez brothers. Yeah, I don't know. She was kind of yeah, she's kind of a double agent. Mm. But uh yeah, so they're they're just cruising down the aqueduct, the famous Los Angeles aqueduct, which is in probably dozens, if not hundreds, of movies. We get a little bit of a race scene in that uh that area. And the fact that one of the brothers is wearing a hairnet throughout <laughs> the whole film. I thought that was a funny touch. They're they're very stereotypical Mexican, is yeah. is the thing. Yeah, and they're uh, definitely. I don't know what they're driving. They're driving some kind of uh, like Cadillac convertible or something like that. Hmm, I think so. Yeah, but we get a smattering of the uh, the um, uh, the Malibu that they're after. We hear we hear about it, but we don't really know nothing about it, right? So um, and there's a, there's a scene in there too where the uh, the truck that was out in the, the desert that all the agents are riding in is like broken down on the side of a bridge, and the Malibu just kind of cruises by it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, yeah, like there's there's several scenes where it's just it's just kind of there, like just always kind of in the area, but nobody really notices it. Yeah. Did we find out at all where we are in this film? As in where we're located? 
Because a lot of us Max Orries are Area 51. It's, um, well, the, the Malibu is from New Mexico. So I, I think there's some impl- uh, implying that it might be from Area 51. Or Roswell, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or is Area 51 in Roswell? I don't know. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've thought about either one. But uh, yeah, the the main action takes place in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, full time. They do show a map during the opening credits. Yeah, but uh, I think they do mention they're in L.A. or like there's a lot of L.A. landmarks. Um, yeah, like the aqueducts, like we mentioned, is very. Yeah, I I knew it wasn't New Mexico, but um, when you mentioned about the car coming from there, that makes more sense. Yeah, because he drove. Where was it going to? Where, okay, so it was coming from New Mexico. Where was it going to? I don't know if he knew where he was going to. I, I don't know. <laughs> he was just cross country, but you got to have a destination. You got to finalize yourself. At where was it? Well, he wasn't exactly himself uh, as he was driving the car either. So I don't know if he had a final destination in mind. He just started out west and. Uh, I don't know. Was he told to just keep driving and don't ask any questions? And I don't know who he didn't. Nobody told him to do anything. He was uh, <laughs> he was doing it on his own. Is the thing? He he yeah, basically I mean, he couldn't uh, have been ripped off the alien. I mean, that guy could not have been in, involved with his intelligence because he was far from it. He had to be just a lackey driving the vehicle. No, because we uh, we'll get to it later. There we have a clip where he finally. Uh, Otto finally catches up with him, but he uh, he basically admits that, or he, he he claims that he invented the neutron bomb, which there's some implication that that's in the trunk because the way he describes it, it destroys people but not buildings. So that might be in the trunk with the aliens, which may also be the cause of the radiation. Um. But he also says that he had a, a lobotomy. But, or like he says he, his friend got a lobotomy. And Otto says, what kind of car does your friend drive? He says, a 1962 Chevy Malibu. And, uh, well, that's the car he's driving, you know? So he was, yeah. he was talking about himself. Right. But um, I think he was at one point, you know, heavily involved in, in the top of the uh know secret alien stuff and neutron bombs and that type of stuff so he was and he just say he was lobotomized to be silenced basically to not pretty much not leak anything and then he just stole the uh the evidence and just headed west okay so but the way he's just meandering throughout the movie i don't know if he had a destination in mind i think he was just gonna drive until he could drive no more hmm I don't know. Or maybe he was going to Mexico or something. I don't know. But uh, he ended up in Where's LA. New Mexico? Is New Mexico above Los Angeles, is it? Above California? Or below it? It's uh, it's east. Okay. So I think he'd have to go he'd have to go through Arizona, maybe Nevada a little bit. But it's it's I, it, I think he went down uh, Route 66. Which is, uh, you know, the famous highway in Southwest United yep. States. They used to go through all the Southwestern states and 
I don't know. I guess you just jumped on that and ended up in Los Angeles. But I don't know if he had a destination in mind. I think we hear the, not the song Route 66, but I think we hear the theme song to the TV show Route 66 through the film at one point. We might. Possibly. I, I remember being, I know the theme tune, but uh, I'm going to swore I remember hearing it when I was watching it. I know it was, uh, it, like I mentioned, they have the maps in the opening credits, and they do um, highlight that it's Route 66. Mm. Okay. Anyways, let's see. Where are we at now? There's another scene where Otto and Bud just miss a, another store robbery. Um, and then we get some, we get some scenes with Otto kind of hanging out with the other repo men like he goes on a uh a ride with light for a while and we get the scene where uh light gives him a fake rat <laughs> to throw onto a woman's lap yeah and uh it backfires on him no reaction she just maces him in the face <laughs> <laughs> um and then from there he uh he takes a, a millionaire's cadillac and the millionaire is, uh, I guess I didn't really pay attention. He, he was in a laundromat arguing with people about how to use the machines. And uh, did they yeah. say that he owned the laundromat or he was just using it? That's what it? I was thinking. Was, yeah, was he the owner of it? And they were, he, they were trying to work out how to use it and he was telling them. And, or he didn't want them using it. they end up them. throwing the clothes out in the street once he runs off to look at, go for his car. Yeah. Or were they working for him and he was telling them how to use the machines? Maybe. But why would they be going to a laundromat if he was a millionaire to have his own one in his own house? Well, why is his car getting repoed? <laughs> That's, yeah. Well, they mentioned as well that millionaires are the worst ones to always pay on time. Because they don't, they don't But then again, if they got the money, why they're not buying it up front? Right. And outright. Yeah. They don't give a shit. So he steals the car. Um and he's just cruising around, and uh, he sees Layla. We find out it's Layla on the side of the road, and he starts catcalling her. Hey, baby, you want to you ride? Which is mm. uh, time's up for Otto, I think, if uh, we're going to cancel him in 2022 for catcalling. <laughs> that we're not going to. <laughs> so we don't do that sort of shit. No. But, uh, yeah, it was funny. He runs into some garbage that's in the street, and some old lady yells at him. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And they argue about the location of the trash. Was it in the street or was it on the corner? And it was on the corner, Otto. I mean, you ran straight into it, mate. But he was obviously distracted, but of course, yeah. But the uh, the funniest part of that is uh, Layla stops and she's just watching what's going on. And uh, Otto is getting back in the car. He says, "But you still want to ride?" And the old lady's like, "No, I don't want to ride." <laughs> Like, like he was talking to her. Wasn't talking to you. Yeah. So he, which made me think, why did Layla change her mind? She didn't want to. Then he drives into the trash, and then she wants to. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe she got a better look at him when he got out of the car. Mm. Or maybe she was just spooked by the old lady yelling at him. You know. I don't know. Could be. But uh, she turns out to be this real UFO sort of theorist 
Well, she she works at the United Fruitcake Outlets. UFO, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we we get apt apt name, yes, fruitcake. So we get uh, interaction with them in the car, and uh, she freaks out when uh, we see some more agents drive up uh, next to them, um, and uh, we have a clip of this uh, conversation. Layla, is this your car? Yeah, it's one of them. You. One of them. I think you're pretty slick, don't you? I bet you're a used car salesman. I'm not. You dress like one. I'm a repo man. What's that? It's a repossessor. I take back cars from dildos that don't pay their bills. Pretty cool, huh? Those men in the car next to us, don't look at them. Stand corrected. It was actually Secret Agent Man was the theme I was hearing throughout the film, which was in that clip we just heard. It wasn't Route 66. Yes. I thought it was a, right. a nice touch. It's a little on the nose, but... Uh, it's cool. I, like I it. liked it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, looking at IMDb, it looks like the plugs is the one, uh, the band doing the cover in this situation. I remember okay. uh, as a kid... I used to listen to the oldies station all the time as a as a youngster, and uh, Secret Agent Man was was a frequent song that they would play, and I'd always uh, sometimes I wonder are they saying agent or Asian? Yeah. So I, I would think that they were talking about being a secret Asian man. It's agent, you <laughs> bigot! What's wrong with you? It's like that James Bond where he goes to Japan. Yeah. I forget which one that was. Eric challenged me to watch it one time. So, <laughs> I'll spy. Love me. Was it that one? Uh, maybe. Hmm. They all kind of run together. I, I don't remember the t- the titles of they which ones. They do blur together. After the man with the golden gun from say Spy Love Me, Save for Moonraker, obviously. Spy Love Me for your eyes only. Octopussy. I can't tell you shit from one from the other. <laughs> They're all pretty much the same, those three. But, uh, yeah, as a kid, I was like, is this thing Asian? Secret Asian, man? Like, I don't get it. But uh, mm. I thought it was a nice touch. Um, yeah, it was cool. But, uh, yeah, so this is the first uh, real explanation of what's going on with the Malibu. It's got the four dead aliens in there. A uh, scientist broke them out of the uh, 
what did you say, the secret base or whatever in New Mexico and uh, hmm. drove him here. Um, I like how he just laughs at her. She just laughs in her face. <laughs> what, are you going to put it on Letterman? Yeah, we're going to have a press conference. <laughs> but uh, they ended up having sex in the backseat of the car uh, before she goes to work. And then Otto wants more by dropping his pants where she's at. Yeah, the next time he goes to visit her at work, he just yeah. he just drops his pants drops in his the middle pants. of the uh, middle of the area. But uh, so the next scene is when we get the first um, the first announcement of the twenty thousand dollar bounty for the Malibu by Double X Finance. It's the one who put the bounty on it. Um, and if you notice, Otto is reading the weekly world news and they have the alien picture on the front page. I missed Did it. Did you notice that? I missed that bit. No, I missed it. And the weekly world news was one of them. It was, it was like a tabloid, but it was like, I don't know. It was like fake news, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But they'd have like the bat boy and, uh. I forget. I'd always see it at the uh, the checkout line at the grocery store, and I'd be like, "Mom, can I get this?" She's like, "No." And I think I got I got her to buy it for me one time, but uh, I just remember they'd always have funny headlines and pictures and stuff, and it was just like outrageous, like supernatural sci-fi type. Uh, yeah, you know, we, quote we had it here story. with the yeah, we had that with the Truth newspaper, which was bullshit that the name in itself was a lie it was the truth but it was all made up yeah um you know there was i gave birth to a, a boy with six arms <laughs> Crap <like that. laughs> yeah but i mean they were entertaining geez they're more entertaining what the real so-called uh you know media broadsheets are these days yeah and uh, you know i think yeah. once in a while maybe they'd slip something in there that might be true i don't know or you know they'd exaggerate it or something but i mean yeah the the best one we had ever was the uh the people magazine um which was basically a tea magazine but they had stories in there as well uh but, you know there was always girls and they had a, a section in there called cash man and uh basically people would just write in these things and say Oh, cash man! I need such and such amount of money because I've got this, and all the situations they needed the money needed the money for were completely outrageous. And um, it would have at the bottom uh, an answer, and it says, "Cash man says." And one of me goes, "Go get a job, you fucking bludger!" <laughs> amount of amount of money donated zero dollars. <laughs> Yeah, boy, I miss the People magazine. That was used to be as funny as hell. That thing. That's funny. Yeah, but yeah, like the Weekly World News. I think their most famous one was the Bat Boy, and they'd have the you know they had the picture of the bald headed kid with the pointy ears, <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah you know the fangs or whatever. And, uh... Looked like Alex Cox actually. <laughs> <laughs> if you saw him back then, not the best looking guy going around. They should have got that kid to be in the new monsters. He could have been, uh, I suppose he'd be fully grown now. So he, he oh, don't stop me on that rant. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I mean, if you, oh. if you watch it again, look for the, cause he's sitting in there reading the newspaper, you know, this, this tabloid newspaper and the, the picture on the front is, is the same picture that Layla showed him in the car. Oh, wow. And, uh, like the headline that. is something about aliens. So like the, 
like the joke there is like you think they're all made up fake stories but it's actually real you know yeah and then from there we get more more stuff with uh, Otto and light he shows them how to jimmy the the car lock and then how to it's not really hot wiring i I guess it's uh because he's he's messing with the uh the key yeah he's using bubble gum wrapper or the foil out of a stick of gum yeah i don't was doing it that way but uh light had like a whole kit of tools that he he, like pulled the the key ignition out and then put something else in and then he'd be able to start the car right and this scene's kind of is this the scene where we have the gunshots as well no, this is the one where they steal okay. the car, and then he's telling them about uh, about diuretics, the uh, the novel or the not the novel, but the book, the science of mind, of matter over mind, which is the riff on Dianetics, the Scientology book, <laughs> which made me laugh when I saw that diuretics. And the funny thing is, like, well, obviously diuretics. That's uh, that's like a laxative, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just shows it. But so basically, Dianetics, diuretics, full of shit. Yeah, pretty much. I get it. But this is also a scene where they're just like going through all this stuff in the car, and there's like a like a birthday gift, and he just chucks it out the window, and it pops open, and there's like thousands of dollars cash. cash. Yeah, there's tons of cash in it. Yeah. uh, I thought it was strange. Why are you tossing his birthday gifts out? Wouldn't you be opening up to see what's in there at least? I would think so. I guess it's part of the joke, you know the. One gets thrown out, the, the car behind it, the tire goes over it, and the money's exposed. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, he's you, you see the different philosophies, whereas uh, Bud was, you know, he's got the Repo Man's code and Light, He, you know, he's got a completely different uh, mindset. He don't care. He's breaking in the cars and throwing their contents out the window and that um seems to be a common workplace thing that i've encountered over the years since i've been working since i was 16 where you would go in and you would learn one thing and you'd learn the code then you'd go out with someone else and they do something completely different they say everything you learned just ignore it yeah and just so yeah it's not an uncommon practice of what uh, light was showing otto there I think that's true. I mean, there's my experience is, uh, you know, you can have everybody doing the same process, but no matter how you train them, you train everybody the same way uh, and everybody's going to do it different. No matter what, there's always going to be differences. Like nobody can do it exactly the same way, no matter how how hard you push it, how hard you, you know, People don't give a shit. Like they're gonna do it their way, and uh, I know some people get really hung up on it. Like if they have to, you know, <laughs> work it after that person or review what they did. But uh, I like you can't really get hung up on it. No, because you've gone from somebody who's learnt the code, as we'll call it, and is new and is green and you know, wet beyond the ears, whatever term you want to use as opposed to somebody else who's been doing that job for 15, 20 years and has just fallen into a little pattern and the code is completely eviscerated out of their, right. out of their work ethic or their, their work practice. 
Well, sometimes you figure out like how far can you push it, you know, like, mm. like how, how important is it that I follow these, these rules? Like if, if I don't do like, if I, if I Jimmy the, the lockup with uh what do they call that? The slim Jim or whatever. Mm. Uh, like, is that, is that too far? No. Is it too far to remove the, uh, the key ignition and, and hotwire the car? no that's fine like, there's no repercussions for it so you're gonna just keep pushing it until you know you get yeah. some pushback yeah true so our next scene is uh we actually have a clip for it this is uh miller and otto are they don't seem to be in the parking lot this time they they seem to be under a bridge just burning with anthony Cadis. <laughs> And he's dead. He was probably over in the corner somewhere, uh, just yeah. just off screen. But they're uh, <laughs> they're burning stuff. I guess it's it's implied that they're burning stuff from the car that they just took. But I don't know. It kind of jumps around in the timeline because they're constantly in different cars and different clothes, and it's uh, it's kind of hard to figure out what the exact timeline is. But uh, Miller has some really philosophical ideas to share with Otto. And uh, this is our next clip. A lot of people don't realize what's really going on. They view life as a bunch of unconnected incidents and things. They don't realize that there's this, like, lattice of coincidence that lays on top of everything. I'll give you an example, show you what I mean. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp, or plate of shrimp, out of the blue, no explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. You eat a lot of acid, Miller, back in the hippie days? I'll give you another instance. You know the way everybody's into weirdness right now? Books in all the supermarkets about muted triangles, UFOs, how the Mayans invented television, that kind of thing. I don't read them books. Well, the way I see it, it's exactly the same. There ain't no difference between a flying saucer and a time machine. People get so hung up on specifics, they miss out on seeing the whole thing. Take South America, for example. In South America, thousands of people go missing every year. Nobody knows where they go like disappear but if you think about it for a minute you realize something there had to be a time when there was no people right yes well where did all these people come from hmm i'll tell you where the future where did all these people disappear to hmm the past that's right and how'd they get there the fuck do I know? Flying saucers, which are really, yeah, you got it, time machines. I think a lot about this kind of stuff. I do my best thinking on the bus. That's how come I don't drive, see? You don't even know how to drive. I don't want to know how. I don't want to learn. See? The more you drive, 
the less intelligent you are. What do you reckon about that final line, the more you drive, the less intelligent you are? Well, I could I could understand it to an extent. Sitting in traffic is a really mind-numbing experience. Mm. Um, but I don't know. It's coming from a guy who doesn't drive. So I don't know if you want to trust his perspective on things. You know, it's pretty one-sided. Yeah. For It also comes down to people who uh, like truck drivers, let's say, who are line-haul truck drivers who have got a lot of distance to cover. They're doing nothing but focusing on the road, right? And their their time and their energy is being zapped, and uh, you know, it comes back to like the repo men taking speed. Oh, so are most truck drivers, unfortunately, just to make that um, you know sort of unrealistic deadline that they've got. So again, you know, you've got that position where you can be the driver and you've got to concentrate or you can be you can not be the driver you can be the passenger on the bus where you can do your own things you don't have to worry about being on the road and you can either read a book you can do whatever you're not bound to the road ahead of you right so you know just i thought that line was interesting when i heard it what do you think about the uh theory of flying saucers being time machines and people who disappear in the present are the people that lived in the past and vice versa? You know what? As fantastic as it sounds, I wouldn't dispel that theory at all. There's, I think there's so much more out there we don't know and probably never know. Why does Area 51 exist? Why is it so fenced off? Why is it impenetrable for anybody to get in there except for uh, those with um, the credentials to get in there? Right. You know, you got to ask these questions. Did you ever uh, get into the ancient alien stuff? Uh, from the... No, I never did. No. I watched a few of the earlier ones. I, I, I didn't keep up with it, but I watched maybe, I don't know, two or three episodes. And there's some really interesting stuff in there. Um, especially about, uh, like like, they found tools that were... Like they they shouldn't have been around in those times, and uh, like there's drawings in like opposite sides of the world of the same thing from people that shouldn't have had any interaction with each other, like flying objects. Like there's photo, there's or not photos, but like drawings of flying objects that look the same in Asia as they do in South America. There's like landing yep. strips that they built, like like they had flying machines, but like they can't find mm-hmm. like the the evidence of it beyond like just the drawings that are found. Um, yeah. Well, for instance, it's like Stonehenge. How how the hell was Stonehenge built? Yeah. Or the pyramids. Yeah, crop circles. How the hell did they turn up? Exactly. There's there's so many things that are are unexplained and. I mean, some of the theories make sense. Like aliens came to Earth, and uh, you know they they kind of set off the evolution of mankind, and you know intermixed, and uh, mm. you know I don't know, like st- stuff like that, or the time machine theory that like, Miller uh, brings up. I mean, I, that's a possibility, 
but uh sure i mean it's it sounds crazy but i mean once you start seeing some of this stuff it's it seems you can't plausible. completely discount it and say yeah. it's all a lie i, I mean in that case and these may be different these may be generally fabricated but there's actually youtube videos out there that say uh 10 time travelers who appeared on film right and you look at him you think yeah some some i think you're seeing a bit more than what there really is and some you go that really yeah is it fabricated who knows uh you know there's those ones who are time travelers who have come from the year 2045 or something and they've been brought back to 2020 and they predict the future and well you know (laughs) those things can only be so good for so long until that period they were explaining doesn't come to fruition right and it's obviously all a scam but who knows about time travel you know it's um i wouldn't i wouldn't disapprove of anything or disprove try to disprove anything because i can't well, also with the UFO thing, the uh, the U.S. government just unsealed, like, uh, if not all, a lot of their UFO stuff last year, and nobody really gave a shit. <laughs> like, nobody even reacted to it. It was so buried yeah. in all the other stuff. Um, there was a there was a uh, documentary series on Showtime about the UFO stuff. And they were kind of right. wishy-washy with it. Like they were, they were saying, like, "Yeah, we have video evidence, but it might be the government lying about it being a UFO for reasons." You know, like they they gave reasons why they might lie about them being real, or why they would lie about them not being real and try to cover them up, and and so was, that's that's strange that showtime did that because from what i've heard and again how much truth there is to it i don't know but basically every ufo documentary out there that is commercially uh produced must go through the cia and get the tick of approval before it can be aired so um yeah i don't know it it came out right after they unsealed the records but like i said like like the first couple episodes are like, oh yeah, these are definitely real. They have people who are eyewitnesses, and you know, and all the all the footage is grainy. Like even on like the Navy or Air Force airplanes, like they got the shittiest cameras up there, and it's like, yeah, I see it, and it looks like a UFO, but who knows what it really mm-hmm. is? But they were like, then later they're like, well, they could be, you know, experimental equipment from the army, and they don't want to people that know what it is so they call it a ufo um or or things like that or maybe it's a ufo when they claim it's experimental equipment from the army you know it's it's a they play it both sides they play it both sides with a balloon yeah yeah it's that that shit right yeah so heard that for decades so there was it was kind of like inconclusive after all you know five hours or whatever of the show (laughs) Like, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But it's yeah. on camera. I mean, it's something. I've always been dubious about that footage they've gotten out of uh, Roswell, you know, from 50, 1953 or, or 40, 48. Was it around that period of the late 40s, very early 50s? Because if you're getting video footage, you're not getting it through 
you know, an iPhone, which is the case. But um, you're lugging around a huge camera. Right. So I don't think they'd be allowing cameras in there, especially at that time. So I've always been sort of, mm, I don't know about this footage here. Well, but other things, of course, you've got to be open-minded to it. That, that actually reminded me, have you seen the the whitest kids you know sketch where they're doing the alien opto- alien autopsy in Roswell? No. Huh. So they uh, <laughs> there's the alien on the table and they're, you know, they're they're doing the the tape recorder of everything they see, and it's very serious. And then they they cut it open, and there's just a whole bunch of Reese's pieces inside, <laughs> <laughs> and they start scooping it out and putting it in the metal pans, and they're just like describing everything they see. And then some Mexican yeah. dude comes in and he says, "What are you doing with my pinata?" <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny uh, if, I, if i remember i'll send you a link to it later please do but uh yeah they got so many good skits on that show it's so good we talk i i, I bring it up all the time on on wtm here but uh whitest kids you know you can go on a rabbit hole on youtube and just watch dozens and dozens of sketches and uh, every single one of them gets me I just yeah. can't stop laughing at them. That's like I've been watching um, a lot of Wojak Duma videos, and <laughs> it just from the you know the most deep recesses of the incel community, these fucking videos are the funniest things I've seen. They just they crack me up. Just you know, Duma's Friday night. Go to the store, buy cigarettes, buy beer, come back, play video games. Uh, stare out the window, pondering the fact you got no girlfriend. Just <laughs> ridiculous videos, but oh god, they're funny as well. If you follow me on Twitter, you definitely see me post a clip from the John Williams "Whitest Kids You Know" sketch. There's a couple ones that I like. It's, it, <laughs> there's one where he's just yelling "No" in his wife's face. And then uh, there's another one where he just pukes and it's like real, very realistic. Um, yeah. But that whole sketch is hilarious. The John Williams sketch. Have you seen that one? The John Williams one? No, I've ne- never even seen this show. Don't was, even uh, heard of it. Trevor Moore. And uh, it was like a comedy troupe. It was a sketch comedy show. Have you seen Miss March? The movie Miss March? No. Nope. You should check that out too. You might want to watch the the show a little bit, get a feel for the comedy. But uh, if you like that, you should like Miss March. It's fucking hilarious. But uh, yeah, Trevor Moore was kind of the the lead guy, and uh, he died last year or the year before. Uh, he was pretty young. He was, I think, in his forties. Um, oh wow! It was, it was pretty uh, untimely. Is he related to Jay? No, Jay it's Moore? spelled differently. It's M O R E. Oh, okay, that way. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'll send you some uh, some YouTube videos, please. But uh, the John the, the John Williams one is one of my favorites because he's he's trying to come up with the perfect song to play during the wedding between an Ewok and Short Round. In the Star Wars Indiana Jones mashup movie. Oh, God. 
And so he's just going around going, bup, 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 Which sounds like every John Williams score. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. And then like he figures it out in the middle of the night in the middle of the night and he tells his wife to remember it. And in the morning she can't remember. And she starts singing some <laughs> random shit and he goes, No, right in her face. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I'll let you watch it. It's fucking hilarious. Cool. Let's see. Back to Repo Man. Let's see. We got a couple of short scenes here. The Rodriguez brothers find out about the uh, the bounty on the Malibu. Um, and I think that's the same scene where uh, Bud is down. Like, they're in a, an apartment on, on, like, the fifth floor, and Bud is down in the parking lot. She's, like, screaming at them. Hmm. That's right. Then we get a scene where uh, Layla, or uh, Otto calls Layla. We find out that her phone is tapped. I think that's where we find out he's actually 18 because they have the the computer is the information on the screen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But even the computer is like age 21, correction, 18. 18, yeah. <laughs> and very ancient computer compared to today's standards. Oh, of course. But it had to be high tech. It was in a it was in a van. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it's like when you watch the computers on war games these days, you, you go <laughs> these are pieces of shit but back then that was the high end stuff well that's what they always say is like they sent the astronauts to the moon using a computer that had less processing power than like uh, well than an iPhone mm. for sure uh, or maybe even like a like an iTech calculator but uh <laughs> And now, now it's like they can't even get to the moon. But uh, well, I suppose they don't try. This is the thing. Yeah. They're going to put Wi-Fi up there. They're going to put 4G from Nokia. <laughs> At least they were two years ago. I don't know if that's still the case. It's already obsolete. <laughs> yeah, it's 5G now, isn't it? Yeah, that's the five G, the one that's supposed to be yeah, scramble your brainwaves or some crap. Yeah, five five G spread COVID. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yes, all the lockdowns to reinstall the five G towers. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, boy, did that theory burn out fast with the uh, with that crowd. My mom's a hundred percent in on that. The QAnon. Oh, really? I don't think she's like knows it's QAnon, but she's like 100% in on all the conspiracy theories. Mm, okay, well. And she gets, well, her friends, I, I guess she like goes to the hairdresser and the hairdresser tells her all the all the theories about how she got sick from all her clients shedding vaccine on her. And it's like... Uh, well, yeah, it's called the spread of germs. That's what you're doing to the public. That's not a conspiracy theory. No, she's saying that the vaccine for COVID mm. sheds onto people who weren't vaccinated and it gets them sick. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay. And it's like, yeah. Mom, you sleep in the same da- same bed as Dad, and he's vaxxed and boosted. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, yeah. You, yeah. You didn't get it's sick. Just, uh... So it's like, what's the problem? Uh, yeah. Anyways. I don't think she'd believe in the alien stuff, but the COVID uh, conspiracies, 100% on. 
And the, oh, there's also that theory as well that was running around quickly where they, uh, before it all hit, uh, Trump said in a tweet, Kvefi, and they took the COV from Kvefi, it's a hard way to say, and go, he knew, he knew all along what was coming. It's like, no, it was just Trump being a troll on Twitter as usual. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So we get the scene where Otto goes to the, uh, what is it, United Fruitcakes outlets, and he uh, he meets up with Layla inside and just drops his pants right away. <laughs> we and about a co-worker goes, you're going to be late. Doesn't even flinch the fact <laughs> he's got his, draw, his pants down. His, his tidy his on, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I don't know if we want to get too in depth in this but uh, you know we get we get a scene where where bud is talking about how he's gonna get that malibu and go buy his own repo yard and work for himself and uh light says you can't buy no repo yard for twenty thousand dollars my credit is immaculate (laughs) (laughs) you get anything with good credit yeah (laughs) don't you think for a car that was so uh, so wanted and so, you know, so many people after it. Twenty grand was a bit light. Well, I I think it's fishy in general because it's uh you know it's like a twenty year old car at that point. Mm. So everybody's like, why does everybody want this? There must be drugs or something in the trunk or because yeah, there's no so. there's no reason for it to be that high unless there's something going on with it so i think it's it's a red flag but obviously they wanted to get it in immediately so they had to set the price high but i mean twenty thousand dollars had to be at least maybe 10 times the the actual value of the car if not more at that point yeah i guess so yeah i guess if you overinflated past or even past 20 grand which would have been considered high it would have been what it's yeah, why is this car got such a high price tag to it? Because because uh, you could get a really nice new car for twenty thousand in nineteen eighty four. Um, oh, easily, and yeah. and you're talking about twenty thousand for a, a car that's over twenty years old. I mean, this mm. is, uh, red flags galore. I think you know, which they kind of mm. talk about too. It's like there must be something in there, drugs or, I mean, there's something that that's. Uh, inflating the the bounty let's see i think the next scene is uh the malibu stopping for a car wash because it's hot it's literally hot yeah and it's it we we get that kind of throughout the rest of the movie anytime somebody encounters it either they're you know burning themselves on the car itself or they're sitting in the car sweating buckets and uh the driver takes a break. He he gets out of the car and he throws up uh, on the street. Meanwhile, Kevin's there working at the, the car wash place, you know, busting yep. his ass. And the Rodriguez brothers uh, just happen to pull up and they see the Malibu. <laughs> and they, they work Kevin so badly. Uh, he He wants so badly to be their friend. And uh, they sent him inside because they forgot a matchbook the day before. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'll go get it for you. And they, the Rodriguez brothers take the Malibu. Yep. Let's see. From there, we, we see Otto 
with Mrs. Parks, which we kind of mentioned before, trying to sweet talk yeah. her. What, what is what did they call the uh, the agency? The, the fake name they had for their agency, the Helping Hand. I didn't write. Yeah, it, it was some some bullshit name. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I don't want to take your car this time. You know, we can work this out and. Until the members of the band come into the place, and he's, uh, I gotta go. He's trying to lock up his bag. <laughs> he can't. He can't lock up his, his, uh, his case. Yeah, there's like ten of them. I, I, I didn't. There was a lot. Yeah, and they're all pretty big dudes. Oh yeah. Um. And so he he tries to go quick, take the car. Well, you know, before anybody knows what's going on, but they have it on lifts. The back wheels the back are wheels. lifted up, yeah, and uh, he ends up getting his ass kicked because of it. <laughs> <laughs> he gets alcabonged. One of them, we talk about the honky talk man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know when he started doing that that gimmick, but uh, was the was the repo he man ain't. a uh, was the repo man a inspiration for hitting people with the guitars it could have been well i think could have been. el cabong what, what was that cartoon el cabong it was uh looney tunes no it wasn't looney tunes was it um i can't remember it was it was like a horse yeah. it was a horse that was a cowboy and then he had like a alter ego quick draw mcgraw yes quick draw mcgraw yeah yeah I just remember every time New Jack would hit somebody with a guitar, Joey Styles would yell at El Cabong. <laughs> <laughs> no one did it better than the Honky Tonk Man. New Jack did it right though. He would put baby powder inside the guitar, so when he would hit somebody with it, it would just like it would explode everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it looked a lot better. Half the time, the guitar would break off, like the neck would break off before he could hit somebody with it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, because they've they've sorted it to a particular point where it just breaks upon impact, even with a. Well, the, a you don't really to... want the uh, the neck to break off. You just want like the back to cave in once it you know makes contact. <laughs> Which I don't know. Oh, they probably were enough. just I don't know where they're getting guitars. Like he would he would come out with a garbage or with a like a shopping cart or a garbage can filled with shit, and they'd have a guitar in there, and he'd. <laughs> He'd gently take the guitar out and put it on the, the edge of the ring and then throw the rest in over the top rope. It was so funny. Just real quick, the honky-tonk man, that uh, he started coming out with Jimmy Hart, obviously. We all came out with this woman named Peggy Sue as well. <laughs> it was another. It was a female wrestler. I never twigged it was her. Wasn't that it was just her dressed it up? It was Sensational Sherry, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. Because yeah. it, uh, it was him and... Uh... There's one WrestleMania where he teamed up with Greg Valentine, and they they had died Greg oh, black hair, <laughs> black hair. <laughs> it didn't suit him at all. No, the Hammer always had blonde hair. Just uh, yeah, yeah. The black hair didn't suit him. Yeah, it was just a weird combination. And they didn't have women's wrestling, but like Sensational Sherry was there, so they just put her in there. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see where are we at. So I don't get his ass kicked. The Rodriguez brothers are so hot they gotta stop for sodas. And Mo, 
<laughs> well, well, one guy's in the store getting soda. Oh, they stop at like a little walk-in uh, restaurant or uh, how, whatever you want to call it. The other guy's on the phone with uh, Marlene, I believe, and uh, Duke and his friends have just ripped off a wholesale uh, pill place, pharmaceutical. They dumped all the pills on the ground. <laughs> it was a good, smart idea. Just get before that. I think when the Rodriguez Rodriguez brothers buy the drinks, if I'm not mistaken, on the window it said plate of shrimp. Did you see Did that? I missed one that. One of those places had a, a pla- one of those places in the window had a thing that said plate of shrimp, a dollar ninety nine or something. Nice. Which harkened back to the um, conversation. It's another thing I gotta look for. I mean, that's like you said. Like every time you watch it, you pick up different stuff, and there's so mm. many connections. Like he does such a good job of connecting stuff and foreshadowing, and like little yep. subtle hints, and you know, putting little things in the scene that you know maybe you don't pick it up because it's not like at the you know forefront of the scene. But yeah, if you you know paying close enough attention, you might catch it. It's like those Zucker Brothers films that with uh, you know like Spy Hard and uh, Airplane and uh, Naked Gun. There'd always be these little things, right? Not in the not in the forefront, but just hidden away, just for you to find. That's what Repo Man has as well. Yeah. It seems like which is fun. I mean, it it makes it fun. Like the the movie's good enough on its own, but when you get those e- Easter eggs in there, I mean, it's uh mm. makes it even better, you know, going back to it. Uh, yep. So, uh so as we mentioned Duke and Debbie and uh who's the third guy's name? Archie. Yeah, Archie. Of course it's Archie. They steal the Malibu. And uh, the Rodriguez brothers, all they can do is sip their sodas, and watch yep. it, watch it go, stand by idly and watch it, <laughs> watch it go, drive into the night. So I, I don't know. We get we get the, this is the scene after this where light takes Otto to the hood and we get the shootout. Which, yep, seeing the scene before this and the scene after this, it seems kind of out of place. It does. I wonder why it was in the film at all. What was the purpose of this scene um i don't know maybe more to show the the difference in style because uh between bud and light um because mm. obviously bud says you know only an asshole gets killed over a car meanwhile light has a gun but we find out later he's shooting blanks because blanks get the job done but the people inside the house are not shooting blanks because they shattered the the passenger window, which is hilarious. Because like Otto wants to bail on the whole thing, you know. They they shoot up the car, and he's like, "Let me back in the light, you know. Let's get out of here." And light, you know, says, "Get your ass in that car and take it with you." <laughs> oh, and then we get a scene where the the driver of the Malibu calls Layla on the payphone, which is just a short scene, but it really, uh, you know, I thought it was hilarious because she can't hear him. He says, she says, I can't understand you using a, a scrambler. Yeah, scrambler, yeah. And he goes, That's it. I can't, I like, can you understand me? I'm using a scrambler. 
And uh, the phone booth that the, the dude is in gets driven into by uh, a couple of those agents. And uh, he gets away, but Layla gets abducted. Yep. Is that because they were they knew that she was the conspiracy theorist? See, I don't know. Was like, she an agent? I, she wasn't an agent, was she? No, she must not have been. I see that that connection is kind of fuzzy to me between. I guess the agents are coming from the secret base in New Mexico, and she's at the the United Fruitcake outlet. But mm-hmm. somehow she's got the picture of the aliens, and like I don't know, they must have seen. I forget. Does she go run up to the uh, to the phone booth that gets run over, and that's how she gets abducted? I can't remember, but they must have connected them know. somehow, um, and that's how she got taken in. Mm. So they knew that she had the photo. They must obviously. have. They must have figured it out. Yeah. Well, then they had tapped her phone earlier too, so they must have been onto her. Or even when Otto picked her up, even when Otto picked her up, she was hiding from the agents. So they they must have been onto her before that. That's right. She slid down the seat so that they wouldn't see her in the car. Yeah, and she turned the wheel so that he would, you know, go the other direction. Mm. But we never find out where she got the picture. No, I don't know. Oh. I don't think it matters, but it's okay. No, it doesn't. It's just a you know talking point. You know, Obviously, she hasn't gone. She hasn't fled from area what would be Area Fifty One in New Mexico all the way back to L.A. It's one of those things where you can nitpick it and call it a plot hole, but like I don't think it it doesn't negatively. It doesn't ruin the film at all. You know, there's no negative effect to it. No, but uh, uh, the next scene is our our next clip. So this is like I said, it was kind of out of order because Otto gets beat up and then him and Light go out and get in a shootout and now here Otto's showing back up to the the repo yard with his face all bruised up and they're acting like this is the first time they've seen him all bruised up yeah find out that yeah it doesn't make sense that the placing of the scenes doesn't make sense I don't remember noticing it so much in the uh, past times when I've watched it, but this time it really stood out to me <laughs> that it seemed mm. out of order. Yeah, but uh, you could have really excised that scene uh, with the shootout, and you wouldn't have lost anything at all. Either that, or put it earlier in the movie. Like some, I mean, there's there's two or three other scenes where him and Light are hanging out, and they could have stuck it in there somewhere. One thing I will say real quick before we get to the clip is that I watched a theatrical trailer after the movie, and there were things in that trailer that were not in that film. I did too. I was going to watch the uh, deleted scenes on the DVD, but I didn't have a chance to. Okay. But uh, yeah. yeah, I noticed that too. There's a lot of stuff that didn't make the didn't make the cut. Mm. Um, I think one of them was uh, Bud was like attacking a, a row of pay phones that was it yeah and then that was the one that stood out the most there's one or two other ones it's like this definitely did not make the the final cut the electrocution of the the police officer at the start was more cartoonish 
It was like literally a cartoon instead of what we saw in the final film mm-hmm. when he opens the trunk. But yeah, and he sees uh, his skeleton. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. It's like I would say maybe like two or three, at least two or three scenes out of the trailer aren't in the movie. Yeah, and there's not like a ton to the trailer. So it's a no, it's a, a good a, a good so, proportion to make it. So that would have been probably released about what six months earlier, when I was still probably in post or in editing. They've cut the trailer and got it out there. Possibly, that's the only guess I can I can uh, put out there that that's what happened. There was some movie They've rushed out the trailer. There was some movie recently that got sued for putting a a scene in the trailer that wasn't in the final movie. Uh, I heard of that. Was it um, one of the Marvel ones? Was it? I can't remember. Because it was like... I think it was a movie where... I want to say it was Anna de Armas was in the trailer and then her scenes all got cut from the final movie. What was that one with all the Beatles songs where the like the Beatles disappeared and then the, the one guy who remembered them wrote their songs as his own yesterday? Is that what it was called? Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. that was the one. Yeah. I think it was that yeah. one. People were suing. But they sued. It was like on Netflix or something. Like it was after it was off out of theaters and onto streaming. It was Amazon Prime, actually, I think. Like, right. like I rented this on Amazon Prime because Anna Darmus was in the trailer, and then I think it was her. Maybe it was somebody else. Right. But like her scenes all got cut from the final movie, and it's like, well, I paid three dollars to see this one actress, and she's not even in the movie. They've got a good point because you are. It is literally false advertising. You're saying she's in this film because we. This is the trailer. We're advertising for this film. And she's not in it. So you, you're being led there under false pretenses. All right, yes, it's for one actress. Right. But it's still under false pretenses. I mean, geez, they've been doing that for years. There have been things that have been in a trailer that were never yeah. in a film. The most popular one I can think of is obviously The Godfather Part 3. When uh, that came out, that trailer had that. Just when I thought they were out, they pulled me back in. That was not in the film. Mm. Ever. Uh, whether it made the final that Coppola re-edit, I don't know, but it did not make the theatrical version because I was watching it with a friend of mine, and after I said he didn't say that line in that trailer we saw. Yeah. So. Yeah, I still haven't seen that part three. I haven't seen part three or the uh, the remake or whatever that the re-edit, recut. Yeah. yeah. Supposedly that recut has next to nothing in difference. I asked Hunter about it. He goes nothing there's a little bit here and there that's it right i don't know people tell me not to watch the third one but uh i don't know maybe we'll at some point yeah i saw the theaters it's um yeah you can watch one and two and you'd be right you don't need it i i was never really big on the first one until i saw it in the theater earlier this year and then it, Mm. it all clicked for me and i'm like oh this this is as good as everybody says it is. But hey, I, I was on the Crocodile Dundee one when you told me about it. But when you told yeah, me, you never about but it. But I had seen it. I had seen it 
like at least twice before that and i'm like there's too much stuff going on there's too many characters i can't follow this and but for some reason watching it in the theater it was just like everything clicked that, that one and the second one really benefit from a big screen just for some reason they just really benefit from that i mean yeah for sure yeah so anyway we've got another clip to get to yeah and this uh i i thought this was kind of hilarious too this this is kind of the uh the repo men take care of their own uh scene but uh miller has got some interesting things to say about uh john lane Come to the door in a dress. Ah, uh, you're fucking oh, nuts. That doesn't yeah. mean he was a homo, Miller. Don't a lot of straight guys like to watch their buddies fuck. They do? No, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you? Damn straight, I do. Fuck. But John Wayne, man. Tell us his name, you little pussy. This song's nasty. Ah, bastard! Hey, take it easy. His head is hurt. Taking this too personal, son. The thing is, the repo man got beat up in the line of duty. Now, it doesn't matter that that man was you. What really matters is that the guy that did it has got to pay the price. Now, stop being selfish and tell us his name. Come on! Ah! 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 Oh, Come on! Bastard! All right! All right, all right, all right. Okay, his name was... Mr. Humphreys, what do you want? <laughs> yeah! Heard that before about the Duke. Actually did a show about it many years ago on the MMC. It called uh, The Duke in a Blue Dress, I think we called it. <laughs> we spoke about a John Wayne film, but uh, also at length about his uh, supposed dress sense, if you will. You would be a big hit today. Well, minus the racism, I suppose. It would it would be like Ezra Miller, where it's like they want to protect him, but he's just beating up women. <laughs> but <laughs> but he's non-binary, so it's like, and he wears dresses, and uh, it's like, well, I, yeah. I can't hate him, but he's beating up women. I guess I guess they he goes by they. I was getting confused. That's funny. I was getting confused I was reading the headlines. Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller 
beats up another woman or like they beat up another woman or something like that they they put they like like him and who else oh wait yeah no it was funny i was talking to one of my sons yesterday and we were talking about this sort of stuff he goes that in his class the teacher gets them to announce their name and their pronoun he goes i don't do it he goes i will i don't do it i will not do it he goes they can drag me out of school i refuse to i said good on you stand your ground fucking education system bunch of idiots yeah john wayne i don't know if i had uh heard details on that um i i don't know if it was years ago i probably haven't heard your episode on it but and then like it's folklore i don't believe it well it's funny like miller you know talking about he he installed two-way mirrors in his uh in his bedroom so he could watch his uh, friends fuck, and uh, mm. the other guys just they they chime in. Uh, I think it's Oli and uh, Pletchner just immediately chime in. I like watching my friends fuck. <laughs> like, it's like the most normal thing to do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's blase about it. I like to do it. I like to watch them. They, they would fit in uh, yeah. in twenty twenty two. They can be uh, cucks together. You know. <laughs> Someone needs to invest heavily in the gag ball fucking <laughs> trade because you'd make a fortune by shares in it. Oh boy! Yeah. Anyways, oh, I thought that was a funny scene. I liked the uh, the reaction of Mister Humphreys, just like so dumb. Like, yes, I'm Mister Humphreys. He <laughs> <laughs> gets a baseball bat to the gut. I wonder if Mr. Look, we keep going this a bit all day, but I wonder if Mr. Humphreys was a harken back to uh, Are You Being Served, the British show, which I'm sure Alex Cox would have seen back in the 70s, the very effeminate John Inman who played Mr. Humphreys. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I I don't know that show. Yeah, I mean, it was huge in Britain, that show. Big in Australia as well. Uh, Mr. Humphreys, John Inman was the most famous character on there. Very uh, effeminate gentleman. So the the next scene is the lounge scene. We talked about the uh, which was the group there, the uh, the Circle Jerks or the Lounge Act, mm. singing uh, show tunes. Well, not show tunes, Lounge Lizard type uh, versions of their songs. I'm sure. Yeah. So I mentioned. I think it was one of their songs. Yeah. See on the uh, the soundtrack listing, they have a song performed by them called "When the Shit Hits the Fan." So that might have been the one. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yes, yeah. Duke and Debbie and Archie are there, and then we see Otto and Layla meeting uh, Agent Rogers. Yeah, I don't. I don't even remember what they talked about. They get interrupted by Duke, and then uh, Archie and Debbie are just obsessed with uh, Agent Rogers's metal hand, which just oh, they start sucking on the fingers. Yeah, that was odd. It just looks like a Michael Jackson glove. Like it. <laughs> like I didn't realize it was a metal hand. Like I, I thought it was just a fucking glove she was wearing. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Which makes you wonder how does she get the metal hand? Yeah, they don't explain that either. It's just no. 
and you don't need that backstory. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm sure it's maybe an interesting thing you could come up with, but oh, leaving if it, it up... was Rob Zombie's repo, man, you'd be getting the backstory and then some. Because you need that, remember? That's that's the thing nowadays. It's like everything has to be explained. Everything needs an origin story. Everything needs a flashback. And like, yeah, could you just like tell a story and just not explain everything away? Just like let me they figure out some of those dumbing, stuff. dumbing everything down, Brett. Dumbing everything down to the lowest common denominator. They they're treating their audience like idiots. It's true. As if they know nothing. It's true. There's there's very few movies that don't do that, um, and it's I don't know I guess we can blame Marvel for that, but it's everything. Yeah, it's been around for a while, but uh, I don't know. One of my favorite lines in the in the movie is uh, Duke Duke gets bored with it. He says, "Fuck this, let's go do some crimes." Yeah, <laughs> such a, a strange thing. Just the way he says it. Um, so anyways, uh, they go out to the parking lot and the uh, the driver of the Malibu has returned to his car. We get a confrontation with Duke and his crew. And uh, Duke tries to convince the driver that it's his car. That Duke's, it's Duke's car. And he says, well, what's in the trunk? Why don't you open it up? And Duke burns his hand on it. Gets it open a little bit, and uh, before he can open it too far, Debbie knocks him off, uh, pushes him away, which uh, gets Archie up, uh, gets his dander up, and uh, he calls Duke a pussy or whatever, and uh, he gets zapped. <laughs> he opens the trunk, and he gets he gets disintegrated. And Duke and Debbie just think, oh, okay. <laughs> better him than me. <laughs> they don't even flinch the fact he's been eviscerated. And uh, so the driver takes uh, takes his car back, but the Rodriguez brothers are on his trail until Bud and the boys come upon him. They they must not even notice the Malibu because they go and start ramming the uh, the Rodriguez brothers. They they flatten one of his tires, and uh, we get the standoff in the uh, I don't know where. It, it's like a parking ramp or a tunnel or something. Yeah, it's a tunnel. There are, the Rodriguez brothers are ready to fight, except for the one guy goes, uh, hey, didn't you get some whiplash from that? He's like, oh, yeah, my neckers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, and then they're like, this isn't a repo car. This is our car. And uh, I guess that makes a difference because it was a repo car. They wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> just, That's right. But since it was their car. Uh, they were going to sue, uh, which leads to Bud getting fired. And Otto and Bud get into a fight. It leads to Otto to water, wandering off. And he walks by. The, uh, the agent's van is taking away some corpses off the side of the road. They're all wearing the hazmat suits and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that leads to Otto seeing the Malibu and chasing it on foot. She's not in very good shape. He uh, he gets pretty tired pretty quick. I think he throws up too, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Oh, yeah, he pukes the, over the, the, the side of the bridge. Of the side of the bridge, yeah. Um, but he eventually catches up. Well, the Malibu stops for him and lets him in. 
and uh, we're finally introduced to the character of J. Frank Parnell. And uh, this is our next clip. J. Frank Parnell. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Ever been to Utah? Sir, I represent the Helping Hand Acceptance Corporation. Radiation. Yes, indeed. You hear the most outrageous lies about it. Half-baked goggle box do-gooders telling everybody it's bad for you. Pernicious nonsense. Everybody could stand a hundred chest x-rays a year. They ought to have to. They canceled the project. It almost did me in. One day my mind was totally burst. The next day nothing swept away. But I'll show them. I had a lobotomy in the end. Lobotomy? Isn't that for loonies? Not at all. A friend of mine had one. Designer of the neutron bomb. You ever hear of the neutron bomb? Destroys people. Leaves buildings standing. Fits in a suitcase. So small. No one knows it's there till blammo. Eyes melt, skin explodes, everybody dead. It's so immoral working on a thing can drive you mad. That's what happened to this friend of mine. So he had a lobotomy. Now he's well again. What kind of car is your... Does your friend drive? Chevy Malibu. This is really a nice old car. Why don't you let me drive? What do you mean? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh... Don't you feel funny? Why should I feel funny? Two hemispheres are fundamentally at odds. Hemisphere. Hemisphere. You know, it's strange. I do feel where Parnell collapses on the wheel. And he dies. He's dead. He dies. He's got a nosebleed. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Otto drags him out onto a, a bus stop bench, takes the Malibu back to the, the repo lot, locks it up. There's a big party at Miller's house. There's a sign there. See you there. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Otto leaves it and he heads over, uh, presumably to go to the party. But somebody, somebody unlock or uh, breaks into the lot and takes the Malibu. I think it's implied that it might be Bud, but I'm not sure. Yeah, we're not. Sh- yeah, we're not certain. It's not uh, the person's not shown. Although the next scene is the scene where. Duke and Debbie are sitting in the car outside the convenience store, and Duke starts pouring his heart out about getting a uh, yeah. getting a little house, and kids. having a yeah. baby, and 
Well, that was strange. All of a sudden, uh, let's go do some crime. Now, all of a sudden, he wants a house and children, and you can see she she's like, no, <laughs> not interested. Well, he was clearly traumatized by what happened to Archie. But then, like, he oh, snaps out of it, immediately, like, almost immediately, you know. And, yeah. uh, you know, now that I think about it, like, was it Bud that stole the Malibu? Because Bud and Otto are both in the uh, convenience store when uh, when Duke and Debbie go in to, to rob it. So this is the first time that where they actually cross paths in the convenience store during a robbery. Yeah. Whereas they, they just missed each other the previous two times. It wasn't Marlene who broke into the car? It might have been. I don't know. It's uh, Should have access to the yard. Because it ends up in the hospital parking lot. So, mm. But now that I think about it, like it, it probably wasn't Bud. But how did he get to the hospital parking lot? Was it one of the agents stealing it? That's, I that's good. I got to pay closer attention next time. Uh, next time I watch this, because I just assumed it was Bud, and then it's like, well, now talking about the next scene, it's a it's a completely different situation. Because yeah, he was he was in the convenience store. Yeah, he was because he's in there. Yep, in the convenience store, and uh, Duke and Debbie have their guns out. And we get uh, Mr. Humphreys' security guard, who's quick on the draw. And we get a, we get a shootout. Um, Bud gets shot, but he also breaks a bunch of ketchup bottles, so it looks worse than it probably is. Uh, I think everybody gets shot except for uh, Otto and Debbie. Yes, yeah. And uh, Debbie just bails. Otto takes some time to check on Duke before he leaves. And uh, didn't Otto ask Debbie as well about reevaluating their relationship? I think he might have. Yeah, yeah. He's like, just, no, it's not. No, not happening. <laughs> and uh, I thought Duke's last words were pretty, pretty interesting. Um, we have a clip that we can. Talk about it after the clip. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. The lights are growing dim. I know a life of crime led me to this sorry fate, and yet I, I blame society. Society made me what I am. That's bullshit. You're a white suburban punk, just like me. But it still hurts. You're gonna be all right, man. Maybe not. Maybe not. I blame society for making me what I am. Boy, have we heard that one before. <laughs> That's always the thing. It's always society's yeah. fault. Yep. Society's fault. I don't know. How about taking some personal responsibility? No. That's uh, too much to ask. No. Yeah. 
that would be uh that would involve thinking and being res- <laughs> yeah very responsible and we, we just kind of have that now always the victim as they always are well nowadays it's uh it's a contest to see who can be the most victimized oh it that yeah it is it's the outrage culture is is at full peak at the moment so i just can't imagine just going through life outraged about this then you're pacified by being uh being corrected in your eyes uh then you're outraged about something i thought how the fuck can you live through life like this i can't i can't constantly offended i can't imagine being offended on behalf of other people like i i just don't get yeah yeah like it doesn't affect you like I don't know how many things like people get offended over. It's like, well, how does it affect you? It doesn't, but it affects the you know other people. It's like, yeah, but they didn't ask for you like, to be their protector. Like, stop trying to be a a savior and treating people like pets. Like they're they're people. Let them be people. Yeah, that's like all these people on Twitter who you know just argue or, or social media for, in general for that matter who just argue and and spend hour upon hour upon hour trying to convince others about their you are just wasting your fucking time right you are achieving nothing at all tell me one thing that ever ever got achieved by social media nothing positive well maybe you may have found the odd murderer a person (laughs) who's committed a crime but in terms of cultural change no none well, the, you, you mentioned finding criminals. It's always the ones who comment on their uh, the police uh, department posting their mugshot. So he's like, "Oh, that's me," you know. Mm-hmm. And they, "Oh, thanks," yep. you know, for posting your location. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you ever heard of an IP that we can track? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. People are dumb. But uh, yeah. Duke blames society, you know, because he only blames society because he got, he fucked up and he got, he got, you know, the consequences that were coming to him from the lifestyle he chose to live. But like nothing in society was forcing him to do that. He was probably from a a pretty uh, well-to-do family or, you know, at least a decent, decent enough family. He just wanted to rebel you know you fell in you fell into a subculture number one really if you look at the punk subculture they do not condone crime at all (laughs) you know they're far from it but you know there's always that fringe who think well i'm a punk so i'm i'm right to go and rob a convenience store and you know break into people's houses well not really if you look at sort of ethics of what those you know real hardcore punk sides it's quite the opposite you know, you uh, look after your fellow man. You um, you even get the straight edge ones who don't drink beer, they don't do drugs. Right. They uh, yeah. So, which looking at this guy, you'd think he'd be straight edge because straight edge involves shaving your head as a as a form of purity. But his may just been comp- sheer coincidence that he looks like that. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Duke, presumably Duke is dead. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't see him again, so I think it's best to say he's it's, dead. Uh, he'll be okay. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that made me laugh when I heard that, so maybe not. 
And so Otto just leaves. Like uh, he doesn't even check on Bud. I guess they're still quarreling or uh, bitter about you know Bud getting fired. Yeah. Let's see. A lot of other stuff happens here. We get the agents are burning Parnell's body with a with a blowtorch or not blowtorch, but like a flamethrower. Trying to remember what this is. Uh, yeah, Marlene beats up some agents. Oh, are the agents at the uh, the yard? And she beat up some of the agents, and then uh, and pledged. That's when they say, "Don't hit the face." Yeah, yeah. Pledged her, uh, pulls his gun on Marlene, but Otto throws coffee on him. Uh, and but this is where Otto gets uh, abducted, also. Um, and then we see him getting tortured uh, through the video monitor inside the van. But uh, the, yeah. the Rodriguez brothers and Marlene come and save him. They head to the hospital to visit uh, Bud. Did you notice that at the hospital, Kevin was on one of the gurneys? With the, he had the no, he had the sheet over his head. They were like walking down the hallway, and uh, like a nurse was pushing a gurney with a, somebody with the sheet over its head, and uh, the guy pulls the sheet over, and that's Kevin. <laughs> He's having no luck in this film whatsoever. I don't know how he got there. I'm not sure how he got there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just in the background. Yeah, so they go to visit Bud, and he's kind of unresponsive, but he's watching Reverend Larry, as one does. Obviously, he's found God. I was just going to say, has he found God as well, like uh, Otto's parents had, had done? Well, I mean, what's he going to do? Mean? He just got shot. Yeah. Although he uh he ends up breaking out. Um we get the shootout in the in the stairwell, Rodriguez and the agents. Even though there's a sign that says be quiet in the stairwell, they, <laughs> they get into a shootout. Don't worry about that. That's the least of their problems. Yeah, and by this point the Malibu is glowing. It's down in the uh the garage. Yeah. We get a bit of a standoff. With the uh, the agents and uh, I don't. Know. Why was the Malibu glowing as much as it was? Well, I think that it was the radiation is what was causing it to be really hot, and then it began to glow. Okay. Um, but I I don't know because it wasn't like the trunk was open at all. The trunk was still closed. No, I think it it probably just seeped into the rest of the car. I don't know. But so was that how Parnell sort of became. I don't know. As delusional as he was from the radiation that he was driving in that car all that time. Why well, even and before... the story about the lobotomy <laughs> might have been just not even true at all. Well, I don't know. Even based on his story, it sounded like he was exposed to a ton of radiation even before the lobotomy. And then okay. maybe the lobotomy kind of just set him off over the edge and convinced him to to take the uh the alien bodies and run. Mm. but i think the radiation is what killed him off yeah so they go back up to bud's room and he's gone the uh there's a bunch of agents in there and they got like uh like tear gas grenades on their their vests and they all get pulled (laughs) and start (laughs) blowing in their faces i think Bud does bud have the bud's the one that drives the malibu back to the lot right I think so. Yeah, so they race back to the lot, and it's hailing for a little bit, and then it just stops. I don't know. It's, I don't know why. I guess there's something to do with the aliens. 
Mm. Don't know. So it got murky towards the very sort of last seven or eight minutes of the film. Yeah, the end is a little bit rushed because they go mm. from the hospital immediately to the repo lot, and then it is just the finale. So we get Otto trying to uh, make a deal with Bud to split the twenty thousand dollar bounty sixty forty, <laughs> and uh, Bud says, well, "Who gets the 60? And Otto says, "Why?" Uh, and Bud pulls a gun on him, and he says, "Oh, I think you get the you sixty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give Emilio Estevez this much: he does comedy well, better than his brother does. Yeah, he's uh, he's. I think he's pretty good in this. I mean, uh, he might not fit the punk aesthetic as well as maybe he could have, but that, that, that's an afterthought in the end. But, I mean, it wasn't something that was that critical to the film. No, and you know who knows how much of a punk the character actually was, you know, versus maybe he's a bit of a poser. Uh, yeah, he might have just been looking for a crowd to fit in with, and it was them at that time. But he was never really because he took to the repo yep. stuff really quick. Yeah. So, and then he reminds Bud that only an asshole gets killed over a car, and then Bud immediately gets killed. <laughs> he gets shot from the helicopter. Just uh, kind of cool, but then like the car has like a a, a force field around it. Everybody who gets close starts getting lit on fire, which is kind of a cool thing. Yeah, that was weird. I that I, I couldn't work that out. What was going? On? Was that because there were the aliens in the in the trunk? And I mean, at this point, dead. at this point, I was all in on anything they did because <laughs> it was I don't know. It just looked. It didn't even make sense, like, because one of the guys in the hazmat suits gets lit on fire, and then we get the reverend there, and then the rabbi's in the background, and his Bible starts on fire. But then Miller just walks right in, you know, and sits down in the driver's that, seat. That was odd, yeah. What was kind of weird is, uh, I don't know, they mirrored the uh, the picture of the vehicle, but then they still had the driver's side on the right or it was on the it was on the left side, it was on the correct side, I guess you would say. But okay, because the the license plate is backwards when they show the exterior. Might have been a fault with the film. I don't know, but the only thing I can think of is that Miller is the only one who doesn't drive. Yeah. So, and he was the only one that believed in like the UFO flying, uh, you know, oh, time true, machine yeah. thing. Yeah. So he was impervious to the effects that the other people were getting from the uh, the force field around the car, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it does. But then Otto gets in the car with him as well. It doesn't make a lot of sense if you think too much about it. But like at this point, no. like all the all the effects and stuff, like I was like, man, this is cool shit. Like I don't give a shit if this makes sense or not. Like a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense anyways if you think about it too much the aliens and the radiation and people fucking turning into skeletons and then disappearing. I'm wondering if there's an alternate ending somewhere out there. It just felt rushed. A little bit. This yeah. last, that last six, seven minutes just felt really rushed. And that was scrambling because the budget wouldn't have been huge on this thing. And they were just scrambling to find an idea. Okay. Let's just float up in the air. Right. Put the car in the air. We'll just float over. Yeah, across town. 
and end it like that, which I'm just, mm. you know, I was thinking this time, like, man, uh, Southland Tales really ripped this off because they do the same thing at the end of Southland Tales where they, uh, they're like in an ice cream okay. truck or something and they levitate it. Um, oh, hang on. They do actually do this in Cheech and Chong's next movie as well. Yes, I just remember now. That one, they're in the marijuana field and the car just levitates and it just flies <laughs> off into space into the end credits. I didn't even think of that till now. Um, I don't know. Was it a nod to that? I, I don't know. Well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But I, uh... I mean, we're trying awfully hard to try and justify this ending <laughs> that may just be a patchwork job of a few ideas. Well, I, th- I think the idea was that they were going to go into the past or the future. You know, it was going to be a time machine. But then they cut oh, off, yeah. like, as they're flying away. I don't think it was, like, a fantasy ending. I think, it, you know, like, it happened. But mm. I think it was trying to tie back to Miller's theory about UFOs and flying saucers and time machines. Yeah, that's plausible. I did like when uh, Miller calls Otto over to the car. Layla is trying to stop Otto. She goes, what about our relationship? <laughs> and he goes, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that is exactly. I mean, you've just tortured me <laughs> on that bloody machine. What about the relationship? You gotta be out of your freaking mind, like, lady. What relationship? We, I picked you yeah. up uh, on the street and we, we uh, you know, we spent like sex, 10 minutes together and then, you know, we yeah. met one time and you didn't, uh, you didn't want to reciprocate. So see you later. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the, uh, the last lines, uh, of the movie I liked, uh, Otto goes, Oh, this is intense. Miller goes, life of a repo man is always intense. Which kind of goes back to Bud talking about, you know, getting exactly. five or six Intense situations every day. It's nothing to me. Yep. So there should be no different. And the credits roll from uh, top to bottom. Which is a... THX1138. Same credits. They roll from top to bottom. It's been a long time since I've seen that. I should watch that again. Yeah. There's a lot of movies I need to watch again. But anyways. That's one of them. That's the end of uh, Repo Man. You wanna sorry for the brief sorry for the brief discussion on it. The all three hours that we've gone so far. Eric's gonna be pissed. It's like, oh, why'd yeah. you guys go so long? This is too long. I've got enough to do. <laughs> what is this shit? Three and a half hours nearly. He hasn't even put out our last episode yet. Um Yeah. Anyways, do you wanna do trivia first or do you wanna rate it first? Let's do trivia then rate it. Alright. Hey everybody, here's some fun facts. Fun fact for this one, no special effects were used to make the Chevy Malibu glow while parked at the repossession lot. Instead, the car was completely coated with 3M reflective paint at an approximate price of 600 bucks per bucket. Yeesh, it's expensive. It looks really cool, though. Like it... it does, yeah. It's a, well, that's a, that was really well done. I was wondering how they did that. Yeah, I mean, it's a really creative way of doing it, using uh, reflective paint. It looks like it's glowing in dark paint, but uh, great effect. Here's a fun fact. 
The company that makes the Christmas tree air fresheners was one of the sponsors of the movie. Huh. Didn't know that one either. Well, that makes sense. You find one in every car because they're paying you to put one in every car. They are. A bit like when uh, Pepsi uh, ponies up some money. Guess who's drinking Pepsi in the film? Everybody <laughs> is. Here's a fun fact. Director Alex Cox visited Iggy Pop personally at his apartment to explain the movie to him and request that he do a song for the soundtrack. Iggy's career was going through a rough patch at this point, prompted in part by the singer's wild lifestyle, and he needed some money and breathing space. It also helped that Cox gave Iggy Cop Blanche to do whatever he wanted with the song. It was like a gift from God to express myself, said Iggy of the opportunity. Here's another fun fact. When the Asimov character is in the phone booth using a coding device to talk to Layla, his dialogue is played backwards. The scrambled voice is someone reciting a poem from the book in Alice in Wonderland. Huh. Interesting. The Repo Man's code was is based on an amalgamation of wisdom given to Alex Cox when he was serving in real life as a Repo Man. Huh, didn't know he was a real life Repo Man. I didn't either. Honey. Hmm. Um, speaking of the code, Bud states his repo code is I shall not cause harm to any vehicle nor the personal contents thereof, nor through inaction let the vehicle or the personal contents thereof come to harm. This is a paraphrase of Isaac Asimov's first law of robotics. A robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. And that is a scientific fact. Hmm. Okay. At the American Cinematique Q&A in 2010, Olivia Barish revealed that her agent told her not to try out for this movie by no-name people. But I was rebellious and I went. Her agent kept asking her not to do the movie because it was never going to do anything. Well, never listen to agents because they don't know a damn thing. Right. Because this film has quite a cult following, doesn't it? It does, for sure. I, I kept thinking that Always Sunny in Philadelphia made reference to it, but I can't find it anywhere. And I'm, I'm not about to go rewatch the whole series to find out if they did it or not. But <laughs> I swear there's an episode where they they start obsessing about it. Um, and I don't I don't know if it's in the the trivia here, but I did see that, uh, and I did kind of look to see if I could find the connection. But the only thing I could find was, uh, and I forgot to look at it for it when watching repo man but apparently there's a scene in repo man that's in the at the same location where they shoot the exteriors of patty's pub for always sunny in philadelphia oh okay so the the bar from philadelphia is actually in los angeles and and is somewhere in the movie repo man here's a fun fact um, the concept of the smoking boots remaining after the Chevy, after the Chevy Malibu's trunk disintegrates, the police officer and Archie was lifted directly from Time Rider: colon, The Adventure of Lyle Swan from 1982, which was co-written by Repo Man's executive producer Michael Naismith. Hmm. Okay. Here's another fun fact. When Duke is first seen, he's wearing a Sid Vicious t-shirt that says, I did it my way, referencing Sex Pistols' basis version of the Frank Sinatra classic, My Way. Two years later, Alex Cox directed Sid and Nancy. That movie featured a scene that included a recreation of the video for My Way, which is pretty apparent to those who have seen 
that film? I think I saw about three different entries in the trivia about that. Exactly. <laughs> Apparently it's yeah, very interesting that we have to keep adding it. Well, that's probably enough for the, the trivia. There's there's a lot. There's about 90 different entries on the IMDb trivia. There is a lot. Uh, and some of them aren't very uh, interesting, and some of them are repetitive. But, uh, you know, check it out if you want to, to find out more. So let's rate this thing. This was uh, Stu's first time watching it. So... Uh, Interested to to see. Do you want to rate it on both of our scales or just the WTM scale? Just the WTM one. All right. Uh, it initially started out as a last resort, but it is now bumped up to an eventually. All right. So it is an eventually. Eventually. And I will rate it as a soonish. Soonish. So that's a wouldn't argue with that one step up and maybe after another watch or two, maybe Stu will get there too. But uh, eventually it's a good score. I, th- I think this is definitely worth checking out at some point yeah. uh, for sure. It's one of those films, as I mentioned earlier on, that for me anyway, is one of the, it makes me want to go back and watch it again. And after discussing it with you, Brett, there are other things I thought, oh, I need to go back and watch it. I, I'm going to go into the actual theater room, watch it on the big screen, which I did not do. Uh, last night when I watched it, it was some on the uh, normal size televisions. So, uh, yeah. And I, I think one of the things that makes it so interesting is it's kind of a hangout movie where you're just kind of hanging out with the, the different repo men and, you know, watching the characters interact with each other. And then, you know, they, they slide in the sci-fi storyline uh, and it, it all kind of is- comes together at the end. That's what threw me, though. The whole sci-fi angle, I was not expecting. I thought it was about literally just repo men. Right. Just repossessing cars and obviously getting into fights and something happening. The whole sci-fi alien, you know, agents from Area 51. I was not. I didn't see that coming at all, which was what really threw me for a loop. But now that I do know it, um, yeah, I I do want to see this again. I really do want to see it. And I'm going to actually hang on to this Blu-ray. It will go onto the shelf now. Not back out in the uh, box on the patio. All right. Well, let me see if I can remember all of our plugs. <laughs> yeah, you can head over to wtmwatchthismovie.com. You can email at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. You can follow the main show page, which is run by uh, Eric Mulder. That's on Twitter at watch this underscore movie, or you could follow me at positively wolf one, um, follow my, myself and, uh, Eric on Letterboxd. I hear the birds chirping in the background there. I hope that gets on the recording. Oh shit. <laughs> I shut the window. Now that we're done. And if you want to get some great WTM merchandise, head over to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. Um, also, don't forget to check out the Midnight Movie Cowboys with our friend Stuart here on YouTube and wherever you catch your uh, podcasts. Rem- remember to rate and review uh, WTM on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, 
uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, until then, we'll check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case. What are you, fucking commie? Huh? I ain't no commie. You better not be. I don't want no commies in my car. No Christians either.